we called it the Armored Dog. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars toys began. And Kenner continues the excitement. The Empire Strikes Back collection. El Regreso del Jedi. Welcome to the Star Wars Collector's Archive Podcast. It's the Kivecast. Presents Star Space Station, the snap open space hatch. Sometimes known as the Vintage Pod. Wow, what a weird a monthly audio magazine dedicated to vintage Star Wars toys and memorabilia. Hosted by Sky Payne, Fudd, Chewbacca, and Stephen Lee Dem. Market data mined by Brisbane Brisbane Mike. Luke Skywalker handles his saber well. And Fantastic Pete. Tech support by the Lobos. Steve and Skype chat about the AT-AT driver, Rebels, and archive news with the Holy Ghost, Ron Salvatore. CJ Fawcett joins us for a record number of drops in a single segment with his extended nuggets, slash story time, slash yak to my face, slash vocab, slash brand new feature entitled Bib Fortuitous and Serendipitous Crumb. You will learn about the R2 toter and why R2-D2 is not short. Plus, we finally get around to the Steve Denny article. Did I mention German B-Wing pilots? All of this, plus the world's least successful C-3PO impression on this month's Kivecast Vintage Pod! Wampa Wampa! Welcome to Kivecast 56. Yeah, 56. We, we haven't been keeping too much on the time thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is Monday, and Friday is Halloween, so yes. that's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, I've got some. Uh, I'm actually using some Halloween candy to, to fuel me on this episode. <laughs> That's funny. I, have I already talked on the show about how I've given up candy? No, I, I don't remember you saying that. No. Well, I, I mean, I ate so much candy in high school, Steve. That <laughs> Does that, that explain some things? <laughs> you know, I ate so much candy in high school, Steve, that I literally created a holder for nerds in the shower. <laughs> It was, it was. I took like a, a plastic, uh, like a, a marker, like a twelve marker plastic set you get at CVS. Yeah, I emptied yeah. out that, and I just put my nerds in there, so I had to have nerds <laughs> when I was in the shower. Oh no, that that's that's definitely a new one. <laughs> yeah, so that's what led to me having Darth Vader mouth, which is my mouth is more machine now than man, yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> And so I can't eat that or popcorn because eventually oh, one man. bite is going to mean a three thousand dollar operation. Oh man, oh that's yeah. sad. That's sad. But it's hey, sad. you got to enjoy it profusely for a while. That's good. <laughs> I did. Yeah, we don't talk about this, um, but the best retro toy was a Terminator Two Sour Meltdown. In the event <laughs> that you're into the, I mean, um, candy. That was a candy. Yeah. It was the most sour candy in the world. It <laughs> probably cost me a couple hundred dollars in my life. How much I ate those. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so and then my son is a Cub Scout and he, he sells popcorn. So I've been running around selling popcorn for him, and I haven't been able to enjoy it myself. <laughs> oh, you poor, poor dude. That that's rough. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's for life. It's like when guys go to AA. You know what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> sorry, man, I'm allergic to alcohol. I don't like what it does to me, man. <laughs> that's kind of how I am, but with Sour Patch Kids. Yeah. <laughs> Are you uh, doing anything Halloween related this year, Steve? Uh, nothing major. I mean, we're gonna try and venture out and see some of the craziness around here. I figured it might be the only time I ever do it. Um, 
I, you know, I'm kind of scared of it, but I figured I have to go check it out once. And if we get too freaked out, we we'll just come back and watch some terrible movie at home. So that's the plan. Is, is this referring to the the West Hollywood? Yeah, the West okay. Hollywood. There's like a, a whole thing where they shut down uh, a good portion of Santa Monica Boulevard, which is the closest like major street to us. So yeah, we're we're gonna scope it out, venture over. Um, and see what happens. <laughs> do, do you have a costume set up, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to be going as uh, Garth Algar, and Tessa is going as Wayne. So Wow, that is so cute. It makes me want to puke. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was fond of your Doctor Who costume, by the way. She thought you, you nailed it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that's... Uh, the funny thing, Steve, is, as I think we discussed before, I don't even particularly like Doctor Who that much. I, mean, I, li- I like it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, as I've said, I... Anytime some guy calls himself a doctor when he's not really a doctor and he's pale and kind of tall and wears suits, uh, that that's good with me. But uh, my kids love it. And so it's got this great thing where basically I just bought myself a bunch of nice clothes and Mm -hmm. a pair of shoes I wouldn't wear. And then that's my costume. Hey, see? (laughs) But yeah, I actually – I was watching some episodes, Steve. Uh I sort of sent you an email about this. I I was wondering when or if we were going to get to it because – uh, this is the Edit Droid Sky here. I'm going to do you the grand service of not including that story. In case you're curious about how I connect collecting podcasts with a particular episode of Doctor Who, come talk to me at the next celebration. But uh, it's not really worth listening to. Oh, boy. Oh, well, Steve, what is our figure of the month? We didn't even mention it last month. See, I think we're already going to be kind of at odds on this because how do you want to pronounce him? I mean, I'm still going AT-AT driver and you're going to go AT-AT driver, right? Yeah, because that's his name, AT-AT driver. <laughs> um, um, the driver of the walker is our, uh, is, <laughs> is our figure of the month. Yeah, and it's, I, I don't know, this definitely is up there in the pantheon of most loved toys when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, so you, you had one when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I was, I just, I had a hard time deciding which one I liked more, like the ATAT driver uh-huh. or the TIE fighter pilot. Like, yeah, yeah. just for the non stormtrooper troopers. Uh, yeah. I just loved yeah. them. But really, what I loved about the, the ATAT driver was that little bit of orange on that logo. Oh, right. Um, just yeah. that little touch of it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's funny. Like I, growing up, I only watched Empire Strikes Back on VHS, like the letter, not the letterbox, just the the four by three. So I never really even noticed the drivers until much later. Like, <laughs> so it's like when a kid brought one of the figures to school, I'm like, oh, I thought it was just some made up bad guy. I'm like, he looks pretty cool. And then of course, like later, I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> oh wait, so do you not see them in the pen and scan version? You, of the you film? do. You, you kind of get just a glimpse. Yeah, you don't get like a full on, real good shot of their their face. You kind of see the back of their heads and their arms, like moving the controls. But you just, for whatever reason, I just never really noticed them. Uh, that, that's yeah. really interesting because I, yeah. I certainly never saw. Well, you know what I call it, Steve. When I worked at Blockbuster, <laughs> someone walked up to me and said, "Excuse me, do you have this on Butterbox?" Um, <laughs> I don't think you told me about that. That's oh, good. my God, yeah. Do you have this on Butterbox? I'll never forget. Because that was like the only movie in existence that was on Butterbox. Right, Star right, Wars. right. Um, but, yeah, I uh, I just must have played with the toys to know what they looked like because yeah, yeah. That, that's interesting, Steve. We should sort of ask around if that's a common thing where they weren't actually that well seen in the movies. Yeah. And that actually brings me to my movie thought of the okay. month, um, which is just, did it? I, I just realized it really blew my mind 
at a certain point. I think I was in high school when I first saw the ATST in Hoth. Oh, right. Yeah. And then just thinking about how weird it would have been if you saw an ATAT driver on Endor. <laughs> right? They must be there, right? Out, out, out of place, right? Yeah. Because he's, I mean, who else is driving the, the one that's coming up to like the, the base or whatever? Right. Yeah. Do they have Endor gear? I hey, know. They, yeah. There's something about the, the presence, the, the mixture of those vehicles. Right. And how much one is the Hoth vehicle and the other is the Endor vehicle. Yeah. Yet they both kind of play, they both kind of serve that function. And then that just goes to the wider concept of. Really, they're just not very good designs. <laughs> yeah, for for the, those uh, those purposes. Yeah, it's another one thing where the prequels. If you look at the turbo tank, it's actually a pretty well designed vehicle. That makes sense. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like in the the 2025 special edition, we are gonna see the uh, yeah. the Endor Adat driver. You know, it'll be in that that color scheme, and it'll right. all be represented, and and then there'll be a figure. So yeah. <laughs> But I don't know. I, I was just trying to think if you tried to play that scene as a yeah. kid, would yeah. you? I guess you'd have to put him there. But it just feels like a Hoth figure. To yeah. Me. Well, he's got the the Hoth cover scheme. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, that's funny. Yeah. So uh, that was my uh, my my movie thought. Nice. Um, and then I don't know. Should we go to? Should, we're going to be well. I guess we talk about the show a little bit. Uh, we're going to be talking to a couple. Uh, Editors from the Star Wars Collectors Archive. That's right. Yep, we got uh, um, CJ. Uh, oh, wait, Steve, you and I, yeah. we're editors now. Oh, right. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> um, sorry, I just picked up a piece of paper, and it's uh, an essay from. Uh, it's an essay that someone said they handed in to me. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you didn't, and it's sitting right in front of me. <laughs> but that poor to, student. To be fair, they did call me Skype Pain. <laughs> so. <laughs> You can't spell your professor's name right. Oh, that's good. So, anyways, yeah, we're talking to, to CJ, uh, who's been trying to talk to us for a couple months now. Yeah, I think it was like back in August when he first was like, "Hey, when are you guys are going to get to the the ad ad episode?" I'm like, uh, "We'll get there. We are going to get there. We have now arrived." So, I'm, I'm glad that like we we remember to reach back out to him, and, and he's coming on. So that's good. Yeah, and Ron will be joining us. Honestly, Steve, there's been so much going on with the archive that we just sort of need to have Ron on sort of all the time. I kind of wish we reached out to Tommy, too, because I want to talk about his stuff. We'll we'll, we'll get to that later. So um, before we call Ron, then, we should get to some more of our our pre-news features. Should we get to the Skyku? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I guess we'll go with my thoughts on the figures, which I've briefly alluded to. Okay. Orange paint applied. On helmet, night colorless. Two logos define. <laughs> uh, definitely pinpoints your, your love of that toy. That's good. Yes, and also just the two logos. You don't see that very often. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then this is one for the figure. Right. I have to admit that the end of it may prompt me to burst into song, so we may have to. Hey, you know what? That's careful. not that precedent has already been set, so yeah. it doesn't really it doesn't matter. Now I forget. We're of course referring to my Cleb Zelloc song that I recorded last <laughs> month. Did, oh, did well, I even that, make reference to that when I talked to you? Um, no, no. no. Okay, <laughs> that, that was a that was a surprise, a pleasant surprise for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Still helmeted head. 
The mind within lies empty. Point, shoot, crush, die, snow. <laughs> oh, poetic. Yeah. It's that end bit that I may try to extend into a dance remix. Yeah, I, I can see that just kind of, you know, either spiraling or blossoming, whichever way yeah. you want <laughs> to think about it. Point, shoot, crush, die, snow, <laughs> something like that. Uh, that's somewhere in between spiraling and blossoming. I'll, I'll <laughs> <laughs> Boy, how can we put those two words together? Spir- sp- b- blossom, spiraling? That's your territory. <laughs> uh. Uh, oh, and there actually is one extra one. Okay. Um, which is, uh, I've actually, you know, I'm, uh, the divorce is quite over, and I've, I've been seeing someone for a little while now, and that's okay. been going well. Okay. Yeah. And, and she, she has a, a kid, and I was, he was doing his homework, and I, I was writing a Sky Coup, and so <laughs> he wrote his own coup. Okay. Uh, so this is my girlfriend's son, Coup. These cow-like creatures, imperial walkers with stupid designers. So pretty good for a 12-year-old. I just thought I'd throw it in there. (laughs) He he listens to a lot of podcasts. Okay. And so I figure in the event that he ever listens to this one, he'll he'll know. I wasn't kidding when I said I'd put it on. (laughs) No. Good stuff. What the hell, Steve? We get to talk about anything on the show, right? Right. It's free reign. Yeah, I still can't believe that you love Wayne's World so much. That oh, is really man, funny. I, I love it. It's uh, it's uh, it's a masterpiece. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and so I'll show you. I've, I'll share. I've already told you. Okay. But I saw Wayne's World every Friday for five weeks. <laughs> so I would go to the Harvard Square movie theater. I would take the the bus in from Belmont, Massachusetts, yeah. and I would go and I would see this the whatever the 7:30 showing of Wayne's World with my friends i yeah. just couldn't get enough of it uh, i remember like the like going to see Wayne's World 2 in the theater was a high point of my young life like i was so <laughs> excited for that movie and like at that point it totally lived up to everything and i've seen it since and i i still <laughs> i love it but it's uh it's not quite the same. I can't say that I've seen it that many times. I think I've only seen that one maybe once or twice. Yeah, I think for the weird first, you know, probably for good reasons, it was kind of tough to come by on DVD for a long time. So I hadn't seen it for probably like 10 years. And I watched it maybe a year ago. I'm like, oh, okay, I can see why it hadn't been put back on a DVD yet. But You know what the problem with that one was? I think it was too much Aerosmith. Maybe, yeah. Because I, I like Aerosmith a lot. Yeah. But, um,. That was like the real turning point. Like the Get a Grip album was where they really just started going to power ballads almost exclusively. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think that was it. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for joining us with Wayne's cast. Yes, yeah. Um, party on, Steve. Party on. So, so what's your. We got a script flipper? All right. Yeah, why, why don't you uh, flip the script it and uh, show me what you're working with, Steve? Okay. It's getting really, really hot here. Flip the script. Flip the script. All right, so we're kind of we're gonna pick off, pick up off when we left from uh, the last little bit on the uh, malicious and very intelligent wampas. Um, so in that same early draft from uh, Lee Brackett, uh, so the Imperial fleet they arrive and there's a brief siege kind of described. It's it's very brief, uh, but one of the <laughs> it's another one of my favorite things is the generic sci-fi dialogue that comes up. So when the Imperial ships appear on the radar, one of the rebels yells, Condition Red! (laughs) (laughs) And so the next line of of description is, The Imperial transport lands 
and they disgorge great tank type crawlers and armored troopers. And then after that, it kind of just says, you know, battle. And then the rebels escape. <laughs> there isn't really any more, like, there's no snow speeder attack, none of that. It's all, it's all very, let's siege this rebel ice castle and, and get them out of here. And then that was it. But I just love huh. whenever I find those, those little bits that just <laughs> imagine like condition red in, in Empire Strikes Back. Just if we go right after fire the big gun. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah, so it's, it was a lot more maybe the sense of like someone who doesn't write a lot of science fiction just trying to make things sound yeah, science fiction I guess. I mean, she wrote some science fiction, but it was that really kind of classic, like campy science fiction. Um, right. So yeah, it definitely fits into her style in that sense. But yeah, like to see what it would eventually become, it's just, it's just funny in retrospect. Condition red. All right. Um, well, I think we should probably call Ron. Yeah, I think I think we're at that that point, right? I think we're at that phase. Why don't we uh, give Ron Derlay a call? All right, I just cut your outline; it just showed up. Oh, good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Watch out! It's Kenner's news. It's Kenner's news. Straight. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you know, Ron, I just hit, I just hit record because Ron just said uh, funny wording. What did you just say, Ron? I said I haven't been on in a while except for the the one that got lost, the uh, lost Kivecast episode. Yeah, the the lost fifty five. Now, what do you guys remember about that show? Because I remember literally nothing except me being with the drum machine. <laughs> what do I remember? Um, we talked about uh, the archive, like history of the archive. Um, different redesigns, um, how the blog stuff was a little bit different. Um, we talked about guys like who contributed a lot in the past, like John Wooten and Tommy Garvey. Um, yeah, stuff like that. There's some other stuff in there, too, but I, I'm not recalling it right now. But there was a lot of archive history stuff we talked about. That's good. We're, we're going to get to more of that today. Yeah. We're going to talk about more stuff, but... Uh, yeah, I, you know, I was thinking about where to start, and we should talk about the archive, but I actually think that, to be honest, the, the biggest news in vintage Star Wars toys has to be what's happening in Rebels. Wait, let me just take a guess that the answer to this, uh, to this question is the sequential letters in the alphabet. Um, hey, have you guys seen the last episode of Rebels? <laughs> I want Steve take the lead on that. <laughs> I have. I've, I've actually caught up and watched them. Oh my god! <laughs> Is well, it on? Like, what's it on? It's on uh, Disney XD. Oh, I don't even have cable, so no, I yeah. haven't seen it. But even if I did, I probably wouldn't have watched it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, I've got a lot. I mean, a lot of thoughts. I mean. Obviously, I'm annoyed because everyone's saying how great the show is and that that's how the prequel should have been and that's how Clone Wars should have been. And it, it annoys me because I, I think it's all great. Um, but this this episode, um, it's like the night is like fights and flights or flight and fighters or something like that. Um, I, I do you actually did you hear about the concept of the episode, Steve? Um, not, I mean, I, I watched it, but I don't, I don't know any backstory on, on the concept. So the, the director, Dave Filoni, same guy yeah. behind uh, Clone Wars and one of the guys behind Avatar, um, not, the, not the preachy alien movie, <laughs> but uh, the cool cartoon. Hey, do you guys realize that's the number one movie of all time? It's kind of weird, right? Yeah, Avatar. 
Uh, yeah, I think I did. I mean, wasn't it, it was Titanic before that, right? I think James. Yeah. It's just James Cameron's thing to have but the number one movie. Very title to the James James Cameron Award. Yeah, <laughs> I mean Titanic at least. You know, that, that's memorable. You think about it. You quote it. You say, I'm the king of the world whenever you're on a boat. You know? <laughs> well, <But> like, um, <laughs> I mean, Avatar, I remember, I can't remember one thing about it except for, like, I feel you or I'm connected to you or something. What does he say <laughs> when he sticks his little uh, tail dongle in her ear hole? <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. I Avatar for, like, uh, the first hour and a half and then got bored of it. Yeah. Anyway, so getting back to Dave Filoni, um, he he said uh, on StarWars.com that the basic idea of the show came about from playing with toys. So if you watch it, just get this one for two bucks, whatever it costs, Ron, because it's pretty interesting. You can actually watch the entire episode as though it, it were like a Toy Story style thing yeah. of somebody controlling figures and playing with them. Because the majority of the action takes place on top of an Imperial Troop transporter, okay? <laughs> so, Ron, like, they honest to God got the toy and scanned it, and it's got the hoods over it and everything, and it's got the this right number. like an epic piece of vintage exploitation. Yes. It, I've been thinking about this, Ron. Is it vintage exploitation? Sort yes. of. No. There's, I'm, I'm going to go with no on this, because it's not like it's something that people actually cared about. It's you know what I mean. It's not like anyone was clamoring for Imperial troop transport. It's not something mm. where people said, "Oh, thank God!" Only super hardcore Kenner dudes recognize that without being told, "Hey, that's a Kenner thing." Yes, you know what yeah, I mean? It, it's it's a different thing than the way they they're doing the music. I would argue. It's, right. Yeah. Yeah. The music is. I mean, frankly, I find it horrible because it's just all John Williams music all the well, time. To me, um, it's it's like an off-key version of it. Like it, they just switch a couple notes here and there. It just it sounds right. weird, right? <laughs> yeah, like da 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 da. Sounds like you did it on your drum machine from the Block yeah, Fifty Five. Yeah. But anyway, so the whole episode plays like that. So it's like. The good guys are running around on top of the Imperial Troop Transporter, kicking the stormtroopers off, and then a TIE fighter shows up, and they like jump onto the TIE fighter and throw the, the bad guys out, and then the good guys are flying in the TIE fighter, and they're like flying around, and they have all these adventures, and the story's pretty thin, there isn't a real reason to have it, but it honestly does feel... Like someone just said, I'm going to film playing with vintage Star Wars toys and make make a cartoon out of it. Yeah. What, what did you think, Steve? I mean, I, I agree with that pretty much completely, yeah. I mean, the show in general, you're right in the sense that the troop transporter isn't something that most people would really care about. But the whole, uh, like, I guess, design of the show being super Macquarie-esque, which, I mean, I, I like because I like Macquarie, but I see, like, I can see the reasoning behind it. It's like, we got to... We gotta. It almost feels like an appeasement. Like I gotta, gotta get people back into it by by going for something that's old fashioned. And yeah, I don't know. And that that and the music, it just it it does it bugs me too. Honestly, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I this. I mean, this. Sh I enjoy the show because I love new Star Wars. Yes, yeah, right. And, and that's great. And I'm whatever. I I like, you know, I like a lot of stuff, but it it is troubling the fact that it seems as though. It really wasn't that hard 
to get Star Wars fanboys to, <laughs> to stop get complaining. <laughs> right. It really wasn't that hard to get him to stop complaining. And it's not like Lucas didn't know. It's no, that no, he no. didn't yeah. want to do what everyone wanted him to do. <laughs> no, he pretty deliberately avoided all that stuff for the prequels. No doubt about that. Yeah, which again follows my theory that once Episode Seven comes out, everyone's going to revisit the prequels and say, "I may not like them, but I <laughs> I, I appreciate them as art." But we'll see. <laughs> well, um, I'm glad you're excited about the Imperial troop transport in in Rebels. I'm just, I'm glad that excites you. When the MTV Seven shows up in an episode, see, that excites you as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, why not? Because it's like. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, it's well, well. What's your problem with it, Ron? Besides just being, I mean, just so you oh, know. No problem with it. It's just, I mean, I'm, you say that people don't care about it, but then as soon as you mention it, like, the only thing I know about Rebels is that it had the Imperial troop transport. <laughs> so maybe okay. that's just because I know so many collecting nerds, you know. So that's kind of it. Just seems like one of those things that everyone's been talking about, right? And it seems like it was just dropped in there to to make vintage fans go. But see, to me, it's not the same thing as, like, filming the inside of the Tantive 4 or Tantive or whatever. Like, there's been certain things, and even to me, the Macquarie stuff is kind of, it's neat because I can point to my, you know, I'll show my kids, hey, that's the original design of IG-88. You know, right, like, oh, right. hey, that's cool. But I don't know. I think the fact that they're using it as a, as a major vehicle for the show, that they're actually committing to it, um, I don't know. I, I think it's cool. But that's why we wanted to have Ron on, just, just to... Just to make sure that the blanket I mean, I was nice and warm. Or anything. It's, I'm just not particularly. It doesn't like do that yeah. much for me. It's like, okay, <laughs> that sounds interesting. But does it talk? I mean, is there like a talking record in it when they like a stormtrooper <laughs> presses a giant button and it goes like, oh, "I'm over here." Help! <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that would be I, cool. But I guess to to me, the bigger idea of why it was fun is. Even though I want to be cynical like Ron and I want to dislike the show because I'm annoyed at people for saying, no, this is fun. Finally, it's fun. You know, I just get so <laughs> sick of people saying the word fun in Star Wars. See, it wasn't actually that much fun when Luke was fighting with Vader in front of the damn Emperor. That's not fun. It's interesting. <laughs> not fun. Watch the Avengers, you idiots. I see what well, they're cool. doing. That, that's, <laughs> that's like my, I'm not like, I see what you're doing here. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm enjoying it, to be honest. I'm I'm liking it. So it's it is fun, <laughs> and and I just I I I did like that he was able to because the idea of having good guys flying in a Tie Fighter is you know like I really I I was I did feel like I was playing along, and that I've never seen that on a you know I've never seen that done before. So I thought that was neat. Good guys flying in a TIE fighter? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't, you don't have to go through the whole... Obviously, there's a reason that they're in a TIE fighter, I would guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ron, come back after you see it when it's on Netflix or whatever. Yeah, sometime in the next three years, right. it shows up on Netflix, I'll probably watch it to see, just to satisfy my curiosity. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so will the value of Imperial Troop Transports like skyrocket, you think? Based That's a that. theory, you know. On on the on the the Rebel Force Radio, uh, uh, Jimmy Mack did posit that that would happen, and we talked about it a couple months ago. Mm. I think it could skyrocket in terms of move up in the pile of boxed toys. You know, 
it, it, it could leapfrog. The proverbial pile. Well, it could leapfrog the land speeder, right? Like, <laughs> I could see it. Just may, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just because it's kind of a fun thing and people having fun. Um. <laughs> you don't see that many nice, really nice boxed ones, um, especially the redo, the Sears one, the, um, what's it called, the Imperial Cruiser? Is that what it's called? Oh, the, the with the Empire packaging? Is that yeah. Called? Yeah. Yeah, and there's a rare variant. The uh, there's a the talking one in the Empire box is pretty tough. You know, you don't hmm. see that many of those. So um, now that it has cachet, you know, yeah. maybe yeah. Uh, it'll start selling for the big bucks. <laughs> and, and you know, Hasbro is releasing one. So that's, of course, yes. Well, I, oh, I really? Mean, so they're going to release like a, a branded new one? Huh? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, oh, it's weird. Uh, interesting. Now that's a vehicle I never thought they'd redo. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's. I wonder if like that actually was it showing up in Rebels was like a Hasbro-driven decision where they were like, "What's the one vintage thing we haven't done? <laughs> oh, the Imperial Troop Transport. Well, let's make sure that gets in Rebels so we can sell some of them or something." But yeah, it's it really is a battle of my cynicism versus my uh, kids <laughs> having fun <laughs> watching it. Like I had to think like. Well, what if in the new movie Chewbacca uses a vehicle maintenance energizer on the Millennium Falcon? Like, I'm going to be so split between the cynical part of me calling it vintage exploitation, the nerdy part of me being like, finally, my VME collection is going to be worth something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what other larger vehicles has Hasbro not redone? Did they do the Rebel Transport, the pickle ship? No, no, I don't think that's no. been done, right? Um. Boy, I don't even know. I should have a dead girl on here. I, I doubt another it. One. <laughs> Otherwise, well, I guess they haven't done the goofy um, Star Destroyer playset either. <laughs> well, they've done versions of it. When they get down to Land of, of the Jawas, then I'll be happy. Land of the Jawas should show up in <laughs> Rebels. Uh, that'd be pretty... Oh, man. I did, I did... That was another toy I enjoyed. <laughs> but uh, I can tell you, we... Um, uh, jump ahead to feedback. Uh, Martin Thurn did leave feedback on the last couple episodes, saying how oh, happy yeah? he was. We kept it under two hours. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, he, Martin is a difficult job. So it is. I mean, so I'd like to keep this one accomplished. under half an hour. So we'll catch you later, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, take it easy. Uh, well, and actually, before we get to the other archive, I I had an idea. And uh, I set this in the outline, but I haven't talked to you guys about it individually. And this is going to require, I think, some Jogulius-like research, maybe even some Tommy-esque research. But what do you think about this? Recording a vintage Star Wars toy podcast. From the perspective of somebody, like, from 1978. Wow, that, I feel like that would require a, a detailed script. <laughs> well, the idea would be, like, we would pretend that we were, like, one of those shows that Ron doesn't like listening to about modern toys, but we... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's okay, he, he doesn't, you don't have to like everything, you know? Like, he often says it's too much about the sculpts, but, like, wouldn't it be fun? And I was even thinking if we could try to contact other Star Wars podcasters to see if we could come up with, like, a fake podcast from like one from 78 like maybe around the holiday special time like one from 80 you know like like right as they come out with the 21 backs and like we could be like bitching about the repacks and how there's no new figures and like (laughs) 
trying to figure out who the mystery figure would be. And I'm not getting a lot of good response from you guys. If you guys like the idea... I'm, I'm letting you, I'm letting you, you know, develop and explain your, your concept here. Did someone do a blog like that or, a, or a, just a website like that years ago where they, like, pretended that uh, they were following that's, the toys as they were being released? That sounds vaguely familiar. I thought that was for yeah. POTF2. I don't know. I thought someone, I can't remember who, this is a long time ago, but I thought there was a website and the guy acted like... Oh, maybe you're right. Wasn't it that wrestling dude? He was following along with releases, but it was, you know, vintage. So it was, he was posting it in like 98, but he was acting like it was 78. And like, oh, Hmm. today I found this on the shelves. And it was like, you know, a time machine type of thing. Yeah. Well, I could tell Ron's on board. <laughs> but the idea would be would be to try to like recreate what it would be like. So we'd have to like figure out what was going on in Starlog, like get the release dates and kind of have them set up and and just sort of like maybe not even a whole podcast, but just have like a section mm. and just, you know, we could do the the Wayne's World thing. <laughs> Ten four, good buddies. This is Sky Payne with the CB Cast for Star Wars toys and Star Wars news. Hope there's no Smokies in the air for you today. Anyways, we got some good talking with Ron R. A. Salvatore and Stephen B. Danley. We're gonna start talking about the new toys that are coming out by this company called Kenner. And we could kind of go back and, you know, we could complain, you know, what is the time? Why is the time fighter pilot smell so bad? You know? This really sounds like a job for Tommy Garvey. Yes, that. thank He's you. right up his alley. <laughs> well, anyways, I'm down, though. I hope out, but I bet Tommy's the guy you want to talk to. Yeah. Well, you could be, you could play the Tom Burgess role and you could just say that you wished that they were like the old G.I. Joe figures from the 60s. Like... You can play the guy who thinks these newfangled toys aren't good, and the other toys used to be made. You just made bastard. Tom Burgess's day that now he's a he's a role, like he comprises a role. Like, I well, agree, though. He, he is that role. Yeah. Well, that's the the the, the 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 dynamic on Galaxy of Toys is he's the sort of vintage dude. Yeah. So no, what, what would the equivalent be? You know, like man, I don't know why Mego didn't get the license. You look at the way they did the Gorn. You look at the way they did the Planet of the Apes. They know how to make toys. Kenner doesn't. Kenner knows how to make Milky the Milk Cow and Daddy Saddles, okay? Kenner just they can't do the sculpts. Like, that can't, that's what you'd expect, you know? They're the Play-Doh company. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want my figures molded out of dough. <laughs> We need the guys who did Star Trek. We need the guys, you know, uh, who, who, who is this company? Yeah, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I think yeah, yeah, I can do that. You just recorded the teaser for it, Sky. I, I think so. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like a plan, Sky. All right. You're a man who always has plans. I am. I just don't have enough time to execute the plans, but... Uh, <laughs> I know. Who does, though? Yeah. Oh, it's funny, Ron. Um, I went uh, camping and... Uh, Oh, wait. Is my computer dying here? One second. I just need to make sure it's actually recording. Yeah, Uh-oh. just don't make, sure, make sure you don't lose the podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, are we alive? <laughs> We're alive. I actually just checked the file. The last thing we heard was Ron saying, we don't want to lose this podcast, too. So we should be good. <laughs> <laughs> Why 
right. Good to know. I was actually going to go on some kind of boring thing about going camping and meeting someone who went to West Point. So I'm just going to avoid oh, that conversation because it's going to it's going to yeah, blitz my, my work computer. Life hasn't been very good lately, so let's not even get into that. Okay, let's not get into it. But what we should get into now that we've been given this little break is, man, what is going on with the archive? <laughs> Wait, that's not a question. Um, so. <laughs> Steve. Yeah. Steve, what's going on with the archive? Who wants to lead on that one? <laughs> well, I don't, there's just so much to go over. I mean, honestly, it's like every time I, I go in, it seems like there's just something new and interesting. Um, a lot of it's by Ron. Um, I did want to say you actually did a list, Ron. A list? Uh, I did? A list of what? <laughs> Uh, when you did the whole thing about did Star Wars kill the LP logo? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I found it interesting. Junkie toys. Well, yeah. Well, first of all, what what was the general conceit of did Star Wars kill the LP logo? Um. Well, the LP logo was a uh, a logo put on toys that by Kenner in '75 to demonstrate to parents basically that they were quality, long lasting, well tested toys. It stood for long play. And um, it was on Star Wars products for one year, 78. And then it was removed, so the 79 products no longer had the LP logo. And so the basic idea behind the post was that, hey, I think Star Wars played a role in Kenner deciding to get rid of it. Because by the time they got the Star Wars license, they were releasing some fairly junky products. Um, And so that was basically the idea behind it. Right, and so... Have you been reading other websites, Ron? Because this idea of a list on a blog, I mean, we are just positively ready to go viral, Ron. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Listicles are the big thing in blogs now. If you had listed this as, I promise you, Ron, if you listed this, the three junkiest Star Wars toys (laughs) that almost killed Kenner, if you'd listed it as that, we'd get like a million hits. Uh, yeah, well, in about 10 years, pretty much the writing will just be done, and all anyone will ever do, instead of writing articles, will just be making lists. So it's mm-hmm. a BuzzFeed future, Sky. That's where we're going. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I did think that you put Land of the Jawas as the junkiest toy in the history of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty junky. Um, I sort of like that toy, but it is pretty junky. I don't think it's a very long play toy. I just think that you know that thing probably broke a lot of times pretty quickly, or well, at least got pretty beaten up. The way you can tell what a long play toy is is the state at which it arrived in my hands. <laughs> because <laughs> having three brothers, I yeah. remember of the Land of the Java playset. I mean, just nothing. Like may- oh, maybe yeah. the base, yeah. maybe like a piece of cardboard, just nothing. No, that's yeah, the same for me, yeah. All I had was know, just of, the base. <laughs> you know, part of the idea um, of the post, too, was just to kind of to point out that by the time Kenner landed the Star Wars license, they were transitioning from, like, a old-school crafts plus activity toys company to a licensing sort of company. And really, you don't have to have a high-quality toy to sell Star Wars, you know. And the people involved in the Kenner line, you know, employees told us that multiple times you know they said you know we were making any sort of piece of junk after a while just and slap star wars on it and it would sell so the toys weren't always necessarily great and i think that was kind of the mentality going into 78 you know todd chamberlain in the comments of that post brought up the fact too that we had met with one of the big wigs in marketing 
at Kenner back in the, I think, late 90s, you know, when he had mentioned, too, that, you know, Kenner just came to the conclusion that why why put out the impression that these are long play toys and create this opportunity for disappointment in consumers because they buy it and then it doesn't last and they say, well, you lied to me. So what's the point of advertising it that way? We can just get rid of it. But I do think it's fairly, probably pretty likely that the Star Wars line played a part in that. Right. Because they had major issues with some of those toys, especially the R2-D2 remote control. I know for a fact that like there was just major issues with the, the operability operability of that toy, and a lot of them got returned and were sitting in the the Oakley facility for a, a long time on pallets because they just didn't work correctly. So, anyway, that was the idea behind it. And also, uh, I think that one of the other podcasts had had done a part about long play logo. Maybe it was Galaxy Toys, and they did a really good job with it. Um, and that just got me thinking because none of them mentioned the history of the of the logo, probably because they weren't aware of it. Right. So I think that's what put the idea in my head. And I was like, well, that thing's on the 75 catalog where it was introduced, so it would be fun to just point that out. That it started then this year and lasted through the start of Star Wars. So, And it also includes my favorite tag on any of our blog posts, Low Gray's Pants. <laughs> yeah, Low Gray's <laughs> Pants. That's what it actually stood for. Yeah. You know, it's just... Um, history thinks of it a different way. It's it's funny. This will uh, will will cheer up uh, Matthias out there in, in Sweden. But uh, my my boy wanted for his birthday the Endor playset for Lego. And, oh yeah. And first of all, I am interested to know. I'm pretty sure they it's just a straight copy of the Kenner playset. And then mm. the the one in Disney World is also, I think, just a copy of the. Kenner playset. I mean, I wonder. I, I guess I should look do more research into this. But like, was there some standard look to Endor before it got to Kenner? Because uh, it, it's amazing how similar. Anyways, I guess that's not my real question. My real question is not a question, but it's a different list. And that was my daughter telling me her three favorite Star Wars figures. I mean, her three favorite Star Wars characters. These were. This was her list in in order. One, Wicket. Two, Salacious Crumb. Three, Chief Chirpa. <laughs> Chief Chirpa? Yeah. That's a funny one. Because Chirpa... <laughs> it's like in the movie for three seconds. Chirpa and Logray are in the Lego set. Talk about vintage exploitation. So my oh, kids are running okay. around and they're coming up with stories and they mix him in with Hogwarts and Lord of the Rings and stuff. So, <laughs> so it'll be like, you know, like, the orc is attacking Logray. It's really funny. So. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, I can't tell those Ewoks apart. Yeah, that's uh, but I, I actually tried to I tried to do a um archive um database entry for an Ewok thing, and I actually riffed a bit on difficulty of telling Ewoks apart, but it got lost. Hmm. So that's probably something we should mention as we're talking about the archive is that the database function has not been working since probably May. So <laughs> no, there's been no new entries, and that's the reason because it's still not working correctly. So hmm. hopefully soon. Huh. Yeah, that's weird. It's like, in order for the new fangled stuff to work, like the old fangled stuff has to mysteriously stop working. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the issue is, but yeah, we can't add any new items, and it has been that way for a little while. So hopefully that gets fixed. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's been pretty neat because I remember thinking one of the big roadblocks to starting the blog was, are we going to have enough stuff to post? 
And I'm actually having the opposite problem where I'm getting frustrated because mm. it's like I, I put up the, the last show and like three seconds later, it's buried behind all this other information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been good. I mean, I, I always figured I'd have enough stupid toy thoughts to, to put on there. Um, so, I mean, I have a bunch of other things I'm going to all add sometime in the next few weeks. But Tommy Garvey's had some awesome posts. Um, Steve's had some awesome ones. Uh, I love Tom, especially love Tommy's um, legal one that that was yeah really, yeah really great. yeah. I, it's funny because I have a hard time figuring out how that. I mean, it's hard not to just read that article because it's sort of hard to, to figure out how to say it. But that is just some great writing uh, that he did. And if you haven't read it, go to thiswca.com. Um, and it's just it's so cool because he's sort of always talked about this stuff. He sort of mentioned it here and there. Uh, the legal stuff, but to see it all together in one place. Yeah, and it's just so so people know it's um, just uh, legal proceedings that involve Kenner and Star Wars toys. So um, he touched on the ideal trying to you know infringe on Kenner um, licenses. You know, with with a space line that was probably the most interesting one. There was also one about a guy stealing. Toys off a loading dock or something in Cincinnati. Yeah, that's right. and yeah. <laughs> so some pretty interesting stuff. I mean, stuff that you know, I'm pretty proud of so far of the blog content because I feel like it's stuff that you've never really seen anywhere else, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's yeah, really, it is. It's a lot of wow. I didn't, hey, I didn't know that. Hey, hey, that's cool. Hey, check that out. And it's not like that's the first time I've ever felt that way in the archive. But when we were cooking up the blog idea, this was sort of the hope of how it would work. Yeah. Well, the good thing about it is that, the, I mean, the, the archive is great for the, the database, the entries for specific collectibles, but it's not really, if you want to do things connecting, like different pieces of ephemera, like, oh, here's an ad, and here's the, you know, the, the catalog that went to making the ad, and, you know, do something about a promotion that Kenner ran. It's not really attuned to that, so the blog is really good for that. Um, you know, so I, like I spotlighted a bunch of stuff from the TKRP Collectors Connection uh, periodical that was issued in the '80s, which is like old collectors advertising things. Which okay, now really sh- wouldn't maybe work we should get into well that. Let, let's, let's get into that as I completely interrupt you. Uh, <laughs> no problem. One second. I'm, oh my god, my microphone's on the wrong setting. Hey, that should be better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's make sure everything's You're scaring Steve and me here. <laughs> everything's still still recording. Um hey, I wonder if I could like drink all of my own blood. One second. Um <laughs> uh, that was the weirdest thing I could think of saying. So the second that we were done last month, uh we, we posted the show and we talked about Steve's frankly oddball choice for unloved item and item of the month. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Uh, and we made passing reference to a collector who neither Steve and I had heard of, which makes sense because our trademark is stupidity. <laughs> um, but then Ron not only had heard of this collector, but then managed to post an article that he wrote about this guy. So, Ron, <laughs> let's just spotlight somebody who has been out of the spotlight for at least a decade. Who was Kurt Vigneri? Well... I don't. He was definitely a long-time collector. I don't know if he was ever in the spotlight, so to speak. Like he was never a rebel scum poster or anything. But he was a 
or is, I mean, presumably, he's still around. Well, I haven't talked to him in years, but he is a Jersey-based collector um, who was in the hobby going back to the early 80s, and they focused on store displays a lot, especially like Burger King and Kenner displays, and also collected other things. But uh, when I was writing for Star Wars Galaxy Collector, Mark Patton, who was the editor, just randomly one day said, hey, I got this guy I'd like you to interview, and you know, it was an assignment, and uh, it ended up being Kurt. And I was like, hey, I know that guy. Yeah, I know Kurt pretty well. So it was an interview about his store display collection, and you know, I called him, and we did the interview on the phone, and then I wrote it, and I published it in, or Star Wars Galaxy Collector published it. It must have been the late 90s or something like that. So when you mentioned it, I thought that was funny. Like, I have to dig out this magazine now <laughs> and take a picture of it. Like, not only do I know this guy, but I actually interviewed him for this magazine. Uh, and it was pretty good. I read that whole interview again, went back, brought back a lot of memories. And so he was just a, just a, basically a display guy, and people haven't really heard from him. Now, what was, what was the... So this was the magazine that would become Insider? You trademark is stupidity. No, it... it there was Star Wars Galaxy, right? I think at first. I think it was called Galaxy. Okay. And then maybe they killed that and they spun off Galaxy Collector. It was a Star Wars, official Star Wars magazine. I think that Tops did, but it was pitched to collecting. It wasn't like just a fanboy magazine. It was specific to collecting. And it was around for a few years. It was pretty good. Steve Sansweet had a regular column. You know, I wrote for it, Gus. Uh, C.J. Fawcett wrote articles for it. You know, several guys. It was pretty cool. I don't think it's been around for years now. Right. But yeah, this was in the early days. I think I've that. seen it. I mean, I collected the Star Wars Galaxy cards when they came out because that was back sort of in that weird time when there was no Star Wars collectibles to buy. Yeah. Um, I didn't know they made a magazine out of it. I guess we could... Well, I don't know, Ron, if you ever want to like... Maybe that's a blog post, you know, for the hey, future. I'll do go. a blog post on, you know, collecting magazines, but... I probably did three or four articles for them. I mean, they're worth, if you can find them on eBay for cheap. I used to collect those things, old collecting magazines, which is how I got some of this weird information. But uh, I'm sure you can still find them for cheap. And there's lots of good information in there. Yeah, well, I mean... But the Kurt thing also ties into TKRP, because well, to get back to that blog post about the TKRP stuff, because even going back to like 83 or 84, he was advertising in there. So he's an old school collector. Right, so what, what is TKRP? Uh, I believe it stood for Tom Kennedy Radio Promotions. Ooh, that's just... Promotions? It's, the P. it's Tom Kennedy Radio something. Right, but it's obviously... A play. Productions, there you go, yeah. It's obviously a play on WKRP, right? Yeah, I guess, sort of. Um, and I don't... I, I seem to remember hearing the history of it, but I don't really remember it. Like, he was a radio personality who must have also been a Star Wars fan. And at some point, he parlayed the radio thing into... A Star Wars merchandising thing. So I don't think the Star Wars thing had any connection to the radio, but it just had the same name. It's kind of weird, but I think that's what it was. And they did, they started as a catalog for selling licensed merchandise, which this is in the early 80s. So there's not that many licensees, right? Say so there's like 40 licensees and they carried a lot of their products. So you could go there and buy you know, factors, buttons or something. And, and he was a retailer and he could sell it through the mail. Um, but then he also did checklists of all licensed products, so like a very early version of like the archive database. Huh. Um, 
And the coolest thing in my mind is he did uh, classified publications. So the people who ordered from him could advertise in these catalogs or these sort of pamphlets what they were looking for and what they had to sell. And so it was like a very early way to hook up with other collectors around the country and sell and trade your and, and buy stuff for your collections. And uh, that's what the blog post is on. So right. uh, and take a look at it on the blog. You can see some cool stuff like Steve Sansweet's full-page ad where he's talking about yeah. what he's looking for. And even uh, Aime, uh, who we featured on Kivecast number five Absolutely. or something. Aime's a legend. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, he's on there. Um, yeah, and that's, I'm sure, how Steve got in touch with them. Well, Steve may have already been in touch with them, but that's, you know, around that time, you know, that's how a lot of those guys networked. Right, mm. and I love I love when you see even more fun than the stuff that is valuable is the stuff that people are looking for that wouldn't be worth anything. So you know, on, oh, yeah. on the one hand, you have someone looking for the first anniversary poster. Okay, that's a big one. But then, like, wanted Burger King Chewbacca glass. It's like yeah. of all the things <laughs> you could ask for in a time machine, it's like. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty funny. You notice, like, some of the stuff in there, if you really look, I mean, like, nobody's looking for three packs. People just didn't mm-hmm. care. Right. <laughs> you know, and why? Because I don't think they looked at them as, like, there was already released figures, and I don't think the repackaging of them really mattered to most people. So, like, nobody was looking for those. But a lot of them look for, like, uh, Luke Skywalker headset radios and things like that that were X-Wing Aces things that were actually rare to those folks back then. Right. Well, again, when we do our, our uh, Time Machine podcast, we could talk about TKRP coming out, and we could say, like, oh, so frustrating, man. They're looking for the same thing I'm looking for, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. You know. But Steve had some big ads in there, and that's pretty interesting. And, and Walt Steuben, I, I did a, uh, mentioned him a paragraph or so on him, and he was – the big collector back then and I'm going to do another post on him eventually just about Steuben but um, his ad is pretty interesting he's the only guy looking for a rocket firing Boba Fett wow (laughs) kind of cool man well yeah that's and that's just that's just half of my war path Um, (laughs) Uh, Steve you you get the reference I I missed that one I I make your mouth (laughs) obese like Della Reese (laughs) <laughs> to SBIG yeah. line, um, yeah. but I mean that, that's just just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, on, yeah. Honestly, we can go yeah. through. Steve had a great post on there that he should talk about. That was uh, on uh, collecting and displaying transparencies. And stuff. Oh yeah, there was. Yeah, it's a fun kind of niche area. I mean, I'm, I'd like to do more posts like that for stuff that, that doesn't always get that much attention. But I've just got lucky to get a couple of weird photography stuff over the years, and there's a lot of a lot of it out there. So. I mean, that could even be a running series. If people have more interesting photography stuff, uh, send it my way. I'm, I'm happy to, to put it up there. But yeah, yeah it's cool. Hey, hey Steve, yeah. did, did you major in marketing? Because you really know how to not sell your own work. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Ron, can you tell me what was cool about what Steve did? Yeah, well, he took, a, you know, the, the problem with those transparencies and things is that they're hard to display, right? Impossible. And, yeah. So people tend to have them and they're in drawers and whatnot. So. He kind of took them and displayed them nicely on the page and talked about how people go about not just collecting them but putting them on display. And he had some good photos. Uh, and I'm pretty guilty because mine are just in a drawer somewhere, but I pulled them out <laughs> to take photos. And I also found an old picture for him 
of uh, Chris Jagulius and Todd Chamberlain sorting through some of those yeah, original yeah. find slides yeah. you know, at a hotel in Cincinnati when we first found them, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Uh, but he had some great photos from Yehuda, and uh, yep. yeah. uh, I'll be doing a blog post on Yehuda's thing sometime in the future, too, and, it, and his new setup, because I visited oh, him right. a while back. Yeah, yeah, he just finished his, uh, his yeah. new display, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. It looks great. And I'm going to take, I took a bunch of photos when I was at his place, and I'm going to kind of do a little interview with thing with him. I just have to cool. get off my butt and do that, but that'll be coming out sometime. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's, it's true, though. I mean, there's been, like, just a mountain of stuff to try and keep up with, like, and there's, it's just, like, constant content. So, I mean, yeah. yeah I feel like it's kind of uh, revivified things a little bit as far as, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people on Facebook posting links to the Facebook, I mean, to the uh, blog stuff. So I feel people are looking at it. Also, it was mentioned on the um, the uh, the UK podcast, which, you know, so thanks to those guys for mentioning it. Yeah. Well, we, we need more lists, Ron. I just got to tell you. <laughs> I actually uh, wound up running into uh, the 10 greatest Star Wars toys Hasbro hasn't remade. According to toplessrobot.com. Oh. Uh, Ewok Assault Catapult, Land of the Jawas, Imperial Troop Transport, Ewok Village, and then number six, the Bandolier Strap. Yeah. I think they have it on the Catapult, right? Because I see it on eBay when I'm looking for yeah. vintage stuff. Yeah. There's some sort of Catapult. I'm not even going to justify this with a, a click-through to the second part of it. Um, but it is actually currently 10.05 Eastern Time. Now, there's a lot more I want to discuss with Ron. Um, in particular, I would like to discuss, uh, start talking about Steve Denny article. Um, yeah. Because I, uh, I, yeah. I think we should just do it in parts. So I've just taken a little bit of that. Um, and it would just be kind of fun to maybe even do a, a, a market watch game with him. But uh, Chris Fawcett does, he has some stuff to tell us. And I don't really know what it is. And he's waiting for us to call. So why don't we take a break from our current podcast? And then, Steve, is this going to be a nugget or an unloved? What is this going to be? It's going to be a nugget slash story time slash limelight, according to, to Chris. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, part of the, there's a problem because I think we had planned to, to feature his, his item that he's going to talk about on the archive. But since we can't add new stuff... Uh, it'll it'll get there eventually it's Uh, a free nugget from the archive we were talking about going back in time earlier now we're kind of projecting forward there we go this is going to be in that case get ready to hear a Frankenstein drop that mixes all three of them at the same time (laughs) tis a nugget from the archive here's an oldie but goodie once upon a time long ago Tis a nugget. Oh my god, they're gorgeous. From the archive. Oh my god, they're gorgeous. Alright guys, so I just hit record here. We had a weird false start. For some reason, uh, Chris's face pops up on my Skype as an elderly man sitting in front of some kind of Toyota uh, I don't know what's going on there. But, CJ, we are all fascinated. We don't know what you're going to talk about. We don't know if it's a nugget, an unloved, or a story time, or what it is. So I'm just going to open up this link that you sent us. And uh, for those of you looking at the enhanced version, you will see this. And I'm just going to click on this. And I appear to see an ATAT, and it looks cool. So what is it that we're looking at? Tell us a story, CJ. What is this? 
Okay, there's a whole, there's a quite a, a little bit of a long story on this, but I think it's pretty interesting. But first, I think this is almost like a new subcategory that we're going to invent of story time. <laughs> okay. Okay, so Sky, you're the linguistic expert, right? Yes. So, what's another word that's for something that happens that's sort of really lucky that would might happen to you? You would call that very... Serendipitous, uh, fortuitous. Close. There you go. So what does that sound like? For, bib fortuitous? <laughs> right. Okay. So we've just invented <laughs> okay. bib fortuitous story time. Okay, y'all. Time for a new drop. If you know the song that I am sampling here, you get 15 kive points. And you know what those are good for. This fortuitous story time. <laughs> a Java Nevada. My experience is no such thing as lucky. No such thing as lucky. <laughs> Bid fortuitous and serendipitous crumb. It's a different kind of story time. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's, it's, it's Java kind of, kind of it, it kind of reminds me of that story that Todd and Will told from Celebration where they're, you know, they're talking about a panel and randomly this guy raises his hand in the panel and says, oh, yeah, I've got that crazy rare display. So that was obviously a really kind of just chance happening, right? So this story is very much along the same line. It was just sort of sheer luck that uh, this whole thing started. So this the story starts back in... I would guess it's around 1998 or so, okay. and uh, I was a, I was for my job back then. I was a engineering consultant, and I was went in under contract at a company in Ohio, and it was probably my first week there. And I was talking to a guy that was about my age and kind of was into Star Wars too, <clears throat> and he. He says, hey, there's there's this guy that works over in this other room that used to work for Kenner. And, you know, in the vein of the Fluffies and the Woodchucks of the world, um, we're going to call this guy Iggy. And you'll understand why in a minute. We'll call him Iggy. Iggy, so okay. He goes, he, goes, he goes, yeah, Iggy over there, he, worked, he used to work at Kenner. I'm like, well, I, you know, what did he do? He's like, I don't know. So he took me over there and introduced me to him. And we talked a little bit about it. He was a designer there, I think like 79 to 82 or so, somewhere around that frame, but right in the heyday of the Empire stuff. Okay. So I talked to him for a few minutes and, um, you know, and then go back to doing my job. This was in the morning. And he comes over to my desk right after lunch. And he says, I went home at lunch. And he has this box in his hand. It's, I don't know, maybe 14 inches long and maybe four by four or so, like a long, like a, almost like a box you have see flowers in or something. Okay. Like that size. He opens this thing up and inside is the hand-painted 12-inch IG-88 hard copy. The one that you guys <laughs> featured as a nugget back in the IG-88 episode. Okay. So, of course, like, my jaw just hits the floor, right? Like, holy cow, this is 
I, I came in this morning not even knowing anything was going to happen, and here I am holding a 12-inch IP88 hard copy in my hand at lunchtime. <laughs> so it's just it's kind of crazy how it's just, you know, but I guess, you know, in some ways in Ohio that kind of stuff sort of happened sometimes because it was such a, you know, Kenner was there, and there's so much, there was so much manufacturing and design and engineering that those guys moved around a lot, you know, locally in the area. So you just, I actually ran into two different people at that company that had formerly worked at Kenner, uh, just just by happenstance. So I arranged, I said, you know, asking, you know, do you have any more? What do you got? So he said, yeah, and we went over to his house later that week, and he showed me this ADAT painting that he had. It is basically one-to-one scale to the toy, and I included a picture there shows me kind of holding it up so you can see how large it is. It's quite a big painting. Uh-huh. Um, and what this was is they were the designers were pitching the toy to the company executives, and this was like the largest toy they'd ever made. Mm. So I think there was a little bit of a concern, you know, is we're going to be spending a lot of money on the tooling for this. Are we sure we want to do it? So they kind of had to pitch the idea and get the executives on board with spending the money. So what he had done is he had um, done up some some blueprint drawings, actually, and what he did is he, he made a blueprint of the side view and blew it up to, this, to the one-to-one scale, <laughs> glued, painted the background, then painted the blueprint, and then cut the blueprint out and stuck it down. So it's actually, you'll see in some of the close-up pictures, it actually is like a two-layer thing on there. So I um, tried to buy it at the time, and he, he sold us some other things at the time, some blueprints and some Yoda case artwork. Yeah. I'm pretty sure all that's in the archive. Yeah. I mean, I remember I got, uh, I think, a photostat of the art, right, way back then from you. Yeah, there was a photostat of the art, which is on the archive. Yeah. So, um yeah, I think you got a couple of blueprints out of that fine, Ron. Now, wait, 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 vocab, wait, vocab time. <laughs> Let's define photostat for the audience. We let them folks change our vocabulary, change our vocabulary. It's vintage. Of the Adab. <laughs> vocab time. Let's define photostat for the audience. Okay, Ron? so Ron, why don't you take this one? Go ahead. Uh, well, I, I think that was a, just an early method of um, color reproduction. You know, instead of a like a scan that's kind of inkjet or laser printed, it was photographic based. So it's almost like a copy, but it's a photograph. You know what I mean? It, it has right. this on like photo paper. So the one I have is like maybe eight, eight and a half by 11, but it's of this art that CJ has. Okay, so you have the photostat of the AT-AT art that we are currently looking at and featuring this month. Yeah, and this uh, we got that probably back in the late 90s. So it was a long, long time ago. Yeah, I think yeah. it was 98. Okay. Yeah. C- continue on, CJ. I just have to pop so, in for um, the listener. So the um, so I, he, he wanted to keep this, this art piece. And he's like, no, I'm going to keep that in my family. I'm going to give it to my son. But uh, every few years or so, you know, I, I I worked with him for like four years at that contract job. So I got to be really good friends, um, which was kind of interesting. Heard, heard a lot of cool stories. He was actually the guy 
that hand painted most of the Empire Strikes Back three and three quarter hard copies. Huh. And he told me wow. the story. He's like, you know, the day I left, I quit that job. There was that box of those hard copies there, and I thought I about taking them because they were like, you know, they were his artwork. He painted them. But then I thought, you know, I should leave him for the next guy who's going to be taking over my job so that he knows what he should be doing. Oh, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, Iggy, what are you doing to me? <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, I, I've obviously been friends with him and stayed in contact all these years. And every year or so or 18 months, I'll just ping him again and say, hey, you know, any chance you might give up that art and try and convince him? Well, um, a few months back, uh, four or five months ago, I just, I, uh, I was actually watching, uh, American Pickers and took a, took a tip off of them where they just, you, you got a guy who doesn't want to sell, you just sort of throw out a crazy number and see if he bites. So I was like, I'm going to try this. So I just threw out a crazy number to him. And he said, okay, I'll sell it to you. So, um, sweet. I got the piece. <laughs> yep. Like, so the story's not over yet. There's another cool part coming. Uh, so I forgot why it's called Iggy. <laughs> oh, wait, it's well, IG88. IG88. Oh, IG88, nice. yeah, there you go. <laughs> Three Marcus, so, um, I got the thing, and it was he had it in kind of a, you know, an off-the-shelf kind of a frame, so I wanted to get it framed nice. So I took it to the framing shop, and um, it was still in the frame he had sent it in. I throw it up on the table, and we're starting to sort of disassemble it out of the frame, and I, I popped part of the cardboard on the back and I pull it up and I see there's something on the back of the artwork mm-hmm. and I'm like oh my gosh there's, some, there's something here so we, we hurriedly took the backing off and then here on the back was this handwritten note of what the, the drawing was his signature and the blueprint hmm. was glued to the back of the piece <laughs> yeah, so that's that cool just, it's like one of those things that you hear the stories, you know, they opened up the frame and on the back was the Constitution or something like that, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> on, 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 um, on a, you know, a Fine Seats Road show or whatnot, but I, obviously not of that caliber, but I thought it was really cool that the, you know, this blueprint was on the back and I, I sent him a message like, did you even know that I was back there? He said, I had no idea. I mean, it's been oh, like yeah. 20, 30 years. So oh, it's $300 kind of cool more now. Extra, extra money. <laughs> you laugh. You said, "Oh, send me another hundred bucks." Uh, said, well, <laughs> I was like, the fact that you kept it in a frame with not good glass. The whole, the whole border had faded, or the whole oh, center had faded, ouch. and the border's like a darker color. So um, I was like, "So yeah, so it's faded. So we'll call it even." <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's it's awesome, it's, man. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty great piece and pretty pretty neat story to go with it as well. So, congratulations um, on landing yeah. that. That's that's awesome. I'm not going to debate you, Jerry. I'm not going to sit here and debate. You're not going to fight. So the other interesting thing is, I wanted to clear up the pronou- proper pronunciation debate. Oh boy. <laughs> at at versus at at. Uh huh. So I figured, who better to go to? But the guy who designed and engineered the thing for Kenner, right? I mean, is, is this not the definitive answer to this question? Uh, not definitive. It depends on what he answers. <laughs> so I asked him, "What did? You, how did you guys pronounce? Or what did you?" I asked him, "What did you call that thing when you were designing it?" And the first thing he told me was, "We called it the Armored Dog." 
(laughs) (laughs) Apparently the unofficial name, uh, but he did say that when they pronounced it, they did say it was an ATAP, not ATAP. And there's also validation of that in the Kinder commercials also call it the ATAP. So there you go. Awesome. It is officially the, the armored the dog. Sky, Thank you, so. Chris. We've we fixed <laughs> the it. Armored dog, yes. <laughs> well, now Jared can uh, get to work doing a j- armored dog image <laughs> for the uh, Rebel Scum thread. You well, know what? You know they've it's, totally it's missed funny, it. This, no, just I, I go right to Petco. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I go to Petco yeah. and they have yeah. all these Star Wars things. Why don't they have? Have you seen you know, the ad at one? Do they have them? They do. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. There's one oh. where you can dress your dog up as an at-at. So there you go, armored dog. <laughs> wow, it's full circle. What, what I like about it is that it's it's a really pleasant piece of art. I mean, it's it's well done. So what were you saying about the the, the so the blueprint? First of all, what did you do with the blueprint? Did you remove it or did, it's, what? no? It's it's permanently glued back there. So okay. I just had him I had him sort of cut out a piece of the backer board and put some clear plexiglass over it so I can take it off the wall and turn around and still see it. On the back, oh, that's great. I don't think it was going to be coming off. And you know, the handwritten stuff is cool too. And obviously, that's written right on the backer board. It's not on a pasted-on piece. So even if I could get the blueprint off, I couldn't have got that signature off. So yeah, right. I figured I'd just keep it there, and I can pull it off the wall. And it's kind of cool to tell the story and then pull it off the wall and show people. That's cool. So, hey, did he have any involvement with doing the art for the the figure cases? Because didn't we get those yeah. early yeah, pieces he, from him? The, the ones for the Yoda case, the square Yoda case with Yoda, I think he's in the upper left-hand corner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, so he did he did all the artwork for that, and we got um, from him a bunch of pieces that showed the, I think they were all photo stats. I don't think it was the originals. That yeah, showed no, the various yeah. I have, I have two early ones, like a sketch, and then one that's more of a marker drawing. They're both, yeah, there's, yeah, just I think there's that. four or five different... Um, Interesting progressions through that case that he had images of of his artwork as he moved through it. And a couple of the early ones are, are quite different than the final case. Yeah, no, they're definitely really cool. Now, one thing I'm finding interesting is that the same guy who would do a drawing like this and would do the paintings for a case would also be painting the hard copies. I always kind of assumed that the sculptors themselves would paint their own hard copies. Is this standard that you'd have other artists? Because this isn't, Iggy wouldn't have actually, did he make the hard copy of IG-88 or did he just paint it? Do we know? No, I, I, don't, I don't think he actually like was pouring the resin into the mold. No, I but, think but basically he wasn't the sculptor either, though, right? Or was he the sculptor? No, he wasn't a sculptor. No, so I think what generally would happen is the sculptors, the sculpting department would make the sculpts. Those sculpts would be sent to um, either the model shop inside Kenner or to Woodchuck's place. A lot of times, because we know Woodchuck did a lot of those. Right. Um, they would make up. They would make up multiple hard copies. Those would get sent back to the design and engineering department. And at that point, the designers would sort of take over and, um, you know, work on the detailing, doing drawings, the same drawings, painting up the figures, making sure they got to the factory, you know, the tooling masters got to the factory. I think that would all be done by the designers and the engineers. Right. Huh. That's, that's really cool. That's a nice point. I mean, the cool thing yeah. about CJ's piece is that it's, that's probably the first real, 
you know, 100% representation of what the ad at would look like for presentation purposes. So yeah. that's pretty cool. It really looks like the toy, too. You look at the details. I mean, it, yeah. it really looks. It doesn't look like oh. the thing in the movie. It looks like the toy. Yeah. yeah. Like no, I said, really he, 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 took the, he took the blueprint and he painted over the blueprint. So okay. it was actually the blueprint used to make the, make the, the toy. The toy blueprints is what he used. And, yeah. um, you know, I've got, I've got a, a eight and a half by 11 side view blueprint that I got from him way back in 98 or so. That's the exact same image. Right. Now, does the CJ is the ADAT portion cut out of a separate piece of paper and glued on to the background? Yeah, the ADAT is the ADAT portion is separate. It's like cut out right around the perimeter. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of that conceptual stuff was like that. You know, even the actually even the the production piece that I have is made up of different elements. So it's like mm-hmm. cutouts pasted onto a background, which kind of a standard, I guess. Right, so, so this goes kind of well with what I was going to propose for the Nugget before I knew about CJ's thing, which is from Ron's collection, the original art of mm-hmm. the Hoth Ice Planet adventure set, going back to cheap cardboard play sets. <laughs> um, so that that hangs, uh, that's public, right, Ron? You show that to people, right? Yeah, it's on the archive. People yeah. want to see it. Um, so it's pretty cool because it's the whole um, AT-AT Hoth ice planet set but without the cardboard bits so it's just these kind of like legs in the middle of nowhere yeah. <laughs> being attacked by uh by uh yeah. by, you know the snow well, speeders the parts that are three-dimensional that stick out were done as separate elements so and this is the the background part which has the legs the neck of the adat and then uh all of the stuff going on like the rebel soldiers and the snow speeders and stuff in the background Right, it's, it it feels like it, it goes kind of nicely. Uh, these things go together. It's it's nice, Steve. I realize you know we don't really have time to talk, or we haven't really talked about vehicles that much, except for haphazardly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we never talked about the X-wing. We could have done that with Luke X-wing. I guess we can come back with the B B-wing pilot and talk about the <laughs> X-wing then or something. You know, just to bounce off the whole uh, like what what CJ mentioned about the cost of the ATAT. Um, or the ADAT, I should say. Why did I ah, it's oh, official. No, you got me. I swear. <laughs> oh. Off of the armored dog. Let's get it right. The armored dog. <laughs> the armored dog. The AD. The, the, the <laughs> armored dog. Um, but remember that it's interesting because that was an '82 product, which means Empire had been out of the theaters for you know a couple of years, although it was re-released, right? But then they're releasing that in sort of a down period before Jedi came out. And it's a huge expense, and I would not be surprised if the reason the ADAT is featured in that little bit in Return of the Jedi was because Kenner asked Lucasfilm to stick it in there so he could keep selling the toy. Um, because there's that famous shot of the ADAT that you see for like three seconds. Right, right. Um, walking beside the, uh, the platform, and I bet that was a concession to Kenner because they had invested so much in that toy. Wow, we we actually discussed this before you got on. Ron. We did, yeah. <laughs> and I was saying, who's is it a is it an ATAT driver driving that then? I mean, you don't see it. It seems so out of place uh, in Endor. Yeah, it's a cool moment because you don't expect to see it. But I would be surprised if it didn't if Kenner didn't have a role in getting that thing in the movie for wow. a few seconds. That's that's pretty bold. Well, I mean, by that point, you know, they had a pretty close relationship with Lucasfilm, so. Right. Well, good. So then I have to basically mix together vocab, 
nugget story time, <laughs> and then the new thing, serendipitous crumb. What is it? No, uh, bid, bid fortuitous. Bid fortuitous. Bid fortuitous. It's going to be quite a drop to combine all those together, Sky. It, it will be. I'll, I'll just blanket it with bid fortuitous starring serendipitous crumb. I think that's uh, <laughs> bid fortuitous story time. <laughs> a Java no bother. My experience, there's no such thing as lucky. No such thing as lucky. <laughs> Bid fortuitous and serendipitous crumb. It's a different kind of story time. That sounds pretty good. Now, now, what, what else do you have for us, CJ? Because I know there's there's even more to your visit today. Well, yeah. Um, so last time I was on, I remember we were talking about the names that some of the sculptors put into some of the toys. And we talked about Emily was Britain into Dagobah. And I discussed one toy that we had met the designer on, and I was trying to remember what toy it was, and I couldn't remember. And I was like, yeah, he, he described his name, and it was like in a area of, of technical-looking stuff and blocky geometric things. So I finally figured out what that was. So I figured if I'm going to be back on, I should uh, put that out there. Okay. So, Sky, you'll be happy. It is the Chewbacca bandolier strap. Hmm. So right down your alley, you get a toy with the designer's name on it. So I sent you guys a picture of that, and it's it's a little hard to see. And you can see by this time, like I said before, the designers have been told, don't do this anymore. Right, right. Or you're going to get in trouble. So you can see how well the one in the bandolier strap is hidden. If it wasn't circled there in that image, it'd be really hard to pick it out. But And then I was talking to... Uh, Chris Tergulius, and he also mentioned that I'd forgotten that this designer also put his name in the Y-Wing sticker. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I think it's the in, in, inside cockpit panel. So I sent you guys a picture of that one, too. So hopefully you can yeah. see the name in there. Yeah. In both of those. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's funny. And it was a guy, even though even though the name is Jan, it was, he was a man, not a woman, so... <laughs> Well, maybe he just knew that no one was going to be looking at the bandolier strap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's possible. So, yeah, so kind awesome. of interesting. That bandolier strap one, I, don't, I think if that guy hadn't showed us and told us that was there, nobody ever would have known that yeah. that was there. Because it's so, it's so hard to see unless you know what's there and you're looking for it. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's that's cool. That's Yeah, it, it's, hard, it's hard to see even when it's uh, highlighted. So. Well, that's cool. And is that is that as as many as you guys know of? Uh, can you think of any other ones, Ron or Chris? I mean, last time you mentioned the Dubak one and the Dagobah one, right? Yeah. Um, off the top of my head, I'm not thinking of any others. Yeah. There's one that wasn't there a face in Dagobah as well? Didn't Steve sculpt his face in there? I can't. That seems familiar to me, but maybe it's been so long, I don't right. remember as well. But I think there's a face in Dagobah yeah. somewhere, too. That seems to ring a bell. Well, I think you're forgetting this one guy. Uh, he, was, he did it a lot. Uh, it was Hong Kong. And <laughs> yeah, he was a prolific sculptor. And just brazen. Just right out there, just on the back of the legs sometimes. Anyways. John <laughs> I don't know, I don't know why it's anybody... <laughs> John Alvarez's face is carved into the side of the radar laser cannon. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The little 
well-known fact <laughs> yeah. that he is in there if you look close enough. Uh. Is that the normal one or the bootleg laser cannon? <laughs> it's in all of them. He's pervasive. Oh, it's in all of them. It got uh. carried over when they bootlegged it. It just turned right on. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's awesome. Well, then I think the final thing we, we need from you, because I know you don't have a ton of time, uh, Chris, but you also wanted to share an unloved item. My goodness. Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. You don't hate only the unloved hate. The unloved and the unnatural. The unloved and the unnatural. So, yeah, so this was, um, I just, I, I think I was just tooling around eBay a couple of weeks ago and I ran across this cause it was like really high priced. But I think I was just doing some search for like, you know, high priced Star Wars stuff. And I'm like, I don't remember ever seeing this before, but it's like an R2D2 toy tote kind of a thing, kind of like a toy chest sort of piece from the Return oh, of the Jedi yeah. era. And it's like, it's so like cheesy looking. It's like, it's, it's like a piece you would expect to have found in the 1977 time frame or 78, like when yeah. they were just cranking out all kinds of cheap junk. But to find this in 83 or 84 seemed way out of place to me. It's basically a tube with a dome top and like his legs look like they're just either cardboard or like wood flat pieces. Yeah. So it's really like kind of a boards. strange looking piece. Yeah. So definitely unloved. I've never, I don't even remember ever seeing one of these until I uh, randomly ran across it on eBay. It may be on the archives, like one of those things Duncan's added. Um, I think it's, is it American Furniture Company? Uh, American Toy and Furniture, yeah. American Toy and Furniture. Also known as Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. (laughs) Yes, yep. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it was one of those things I think where, they saw an opportunity where they knew there was Star Wars toys with this huge thing, so why not make a toy tote? Basically, like a toy box on wheels, but it's giant size. It's like really big. You know, it's almost like size yeah. for R two D two. You see, the and it comes in two different boxes. So, I mean, there's a line art box, and then there's a photographic box. Right. Yeah. So okay. you have two variations of that that you can go for. Yeah. Okay, I know so there's I'm... one on eBay now, like a, a, one of the photo ones. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at that one right now. Oh, yeah, and wasn't that, it like what, a couple grand or something they were asking for that? It could uh, be, I don't know. It was a this, lot. I remember this that. one right now it is, was a lot. is like 680 That's the ask your starting price. I think the one you had shown us, CJ, was even higher than that. It was, right. it was over. Yeah, I was thinking it was a couple thousand. Yeah. Which seems yeah. crazy to me, but. Yeah, this is the a photographic box one is pretty tough. I mean, I don't, I, mean I, don't, I don't think it's super rare either, but you don't see them all that often in nice condition. <laughs> well, you could buy it right now for eight hundred and eighty-eight dollars. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to get the the bump from the from the Kivecast. Uh, what I would actually like to do right now is. Uh, do a little bit of advertising for the RTD2 Toy Toter uh, in the voice of the uh, commercial. So uh, if you guys are ready now, here uh, will come. ATF presents to you the R2-D2 Toy Toter. Almost as big as your top. Big storage for lots of toys. Rollabout coasters and push-pull handle. Sturdy fiber tube body with plastic lift-off base. Fiber tube, fiber tube, fiber tube. 
face and arms of wood products with non-toxic finish. Now, with less toxins, not necessarily without toxins. Size 17 and a half diameter and 28 inches high. Brought to you by ATF, American Toys and Furniture, Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms, R2-D2 Toy Toter. That was good. good as the Mortarheads commercial. (laughs) (laughs) The the more I look at this, first of all, I love that the R2-D2, it says R2-D2 on him. Yes, yeah. How many toys out there, that's a good trivia question, how many R2-D2 toys say R2-D2 on them? Um, the font is not accurate to Star Wars font. It, it has a it has the shine, but clearly ATF had no access to Lucasfilm or Kenner. Um, <laughs> it, it it doesn't. It, it appears to open in in chunks, and the kid on the box looks horrified. He does if look if really. You look at this kid. Yeah. He looks like he's just opened it up and found, like, his sister's body in the case. <laughs> like a drunk Kenny Baker in there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Is, is there any other kind? <laughs> now I'm having flashbacks to that 1997 convention, Ron. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's hear about that. So I'll let CJ go with that. Okay, so the second that we mentioned that Kenny Baker maybe enjoys to tipple a bit at the toot <laughs> of tequila and tapenade, uh, the, the, the phone cut out. So apparently there's some story about a convention in 1997, CJ, that you would like to regale us with? Oh, I wasn't sure if you caught that before I dropped or not. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you were there, right, Ron? I was indeed there. Yeah, I thought you were. Um, yeah, so, uh, 1997, that was actually the first time I met you, Ron, and the first time I met yeah. Chris, and the first time I met Gus, in basically, yeah. been talking yeah, uh, about no news groups and email for years, but, so, yeah, I'm surprised, you guys haven't talked about this convention on any of the pods yet, that's kind um, of, no, we, we've mentioned, this is the mind behind, we've mentioned it. the man behind the masks, <laughs> man behind the masks, yeah, yeah, we've mentioned yeah that was, times. that was a pretty, that was a pretty epic convention for nothing else than it was the first time so many of us got to meet face to face. Right. Um, but what had happened was the Earth had sponsored a party that evening, maybe it was the next day, um, during that weekend of the convention. It was a grand opening. A bunch of people. Oh, that's right. It was the grand opening of their store. Yeah. They had their online-only business for a while. Oh wait! So, so then, the grand opening of their store. So then, the Earth Toy Mall was a brick and mortar toy store in Cincinnati that we've mentioned a few times. Um, some of us were lucky enough to go a lot, and I was able to go twice. Steve never, never got no, to go. No, I never got to go. So this was the grand yeah. opening of the store itself in '97. Well, it was. It was before it. The store was about to open, so opening was imminent. And I think this was, you know one of the nights before they opened. So the, we were like the first ones in there, I think. He yeah. had not actually opened yet. I, I don't think it was officially open until the next week or something. Yeah, something like that. So anyway, they had there a party. Was, it was nice. There was, yeah, they had a, ni- a nice party. And the um, I remember at the time they had the uh, Taco Bell Star Wars Hummer vehicle with all the decals on it. Oh, boy. They had bought that thing. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if you remember that from a contest. Oh, like, yeah. Yep. 97 or something. So anyway, that car was there inside the shop. Like, they must have, like, torn out a wall to get it in there. But it was <laughs> literally inside the toy store. It's kind of mm-hmm. crazy. So 
but then they, I don't know how he got invited or who invited him, but Kenny Baker showed up at the party. So I'll, uh, I've got a, actually, I think I've got a pretty good picture of my wife with Kenny Baker at that party. I'll see you guys, you can put it up <laughs> on the link. He, he actually signed as a well, Hummer. I know I have a picture too. of a Hummer too. Yeah, he did, yeah. <laughs> he like signed it. Yeah, I think I've got a picture of the Hummer as well. <laughs> oh man, that was funny. So but, yeah, but, but he was, was, he was quite was drunk that evening. Okay. Well, I wouldn't, I would say he was, I don't know, was he, he wasn't maybe super blasted, but he was definitely, <laughs> for sure. Well, the, the, the point is, we need if we need a super high res image. I can't find one online, but a higher res image of the picture on the side of the R two D two toy toter with the boy opening up the box, and then instead <laughs> of the toys, have it be Kenny Baker's drunken face. Um, Jared, I, I have. That sounds. I like have a couple thing. over Jared. Yeah, I have a couple of Kenny Baker stories that have to be. Outed, I think. <laughs> okay, let's hear them. Okay, the first one is that one time it was me, Todd, Chris Gugulius, Fluffy, I think, and Gus went to San Francisco and we met with the former head of the, the Star Wars fan club. And uh, it was pretty interesting. She had a bunch of paperwork and stuff and we were going through it. And there was, in there was copies. I don't think it was originals. But it was copies of design instructions for R2-D2. <laughs> and it was like somebody from ILM had written like some verbiage about the knobs and little controls that had to be on the inside. And the wording was something like, knobs and, and handles need to be designed in such a, such a way because Kenny's fingers are very stubby and he can't get the <laughs> knobs to work them correctly. Died laughing at this thing um, that he would describe his fingers as being stubby and have stuff because his fingers are stubby, obviously. But right. still, um, just kind of like this really insensitive way of talking about right. this guy's um, The other one is that uh, sometime in the '90s, Todd Chamberlain and I did one of Mark Clark's shows up in upstate New York, and. What's her name from American Graffiti? Is it Cindy Clark at the at the convention? And Mark took us all out for dinner after Candy Clark. Sorry, um, she played the blonde in American Graffiti. Okay. Uh, and so she took he took us all out for dinner, and Candy was there with us, and she sat next to me, and we were like just chatting about Lucas and whatnot. And uh, I think this was after we had met Kenny out at the Earth, because she had met him I think she auditioned for Star Wars or something or or she met him on set because she visited because she knew George and I had mentioned probably <laughs> impertinently mentioned I was like yeah we met Kenny I was like you know you don't realize until you meet him you know that you know actually how short he is you know I guess I never thought about him fitting in that robot and she was like oh he's not short <laughs> okay um what? <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, he is. He's pretty short. He's like, oh, he's not short at all. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Tell me that he's not short. And we got into like this like mini argument about whether Kenny Baker was short or not. Like me and this semi-famous like actually. <laughs> Finally, I was like, all right, you're right. He's actually pretty tall. He's a pretty tall guy. Um, you know, I was impressed by his stature. <laughs> you know, I guess he was trying to. I guess I was being 
politically incorrect or something, but to me it's like just pretty obvious that he's a short guy. It's kind of like his whole deal. Right. <laughs> it got kind of uncomfortable because he kept like, "Oh no, he's not short at all." Like, yeah, <laughs> he actually is pretty short. I think so. <laughs> Uh, so that that rem- that reminds me of another story, which I think I'm going to hold off for maybe a future thing. <laughs> but there's a great story about me and Gus and Anthony Daniels in uh, Wisconsin that I'll have to come on and maybe tell you guys when we get to a C3PO episode. That was a good. That's a good tease okay. right there. Yeah, yeah. That was good. That's <laughs> a good tease. A little, little, little bit of radio stuff there. Yeah. Wow, yeah. CJ. Yeah. So that's that's a great unloved item. I got to say the R2D2 toter. Um, that is. That it actually goes pretty well with the bandolier strap as far as ugly things of cool characters that are supposed to hold toys. <laughs> right, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I am curious to know, like, what sort of with those, the, not even tertiary merchandisers, but just like quadrationary. I mean, ATF, WTF? <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. I wonder if they made anything else besides that. Yeah, they I mean, did. They did. I have um, no idea. Shelves and tables and things. Oh, were they? Did they do like the bookshelves and things like that? Well, yeah, I believe so. Okay. All right. I, I remember those. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. I guess maybe we'll have Duncan come on and, and give a full rundown of the the ATF line. Um, but wow, awesome. Well, uh, you said you didn't have an hour, uh, um, CJ, but it's now been fifty minutes, so we should probably let you go. <laughs> Uh, that's all right. Uh, I'm, I'm good. So. Yeah, but that was uh, – Steve, was that it or was Ron also going to do feedback and market watch for us? <laughs> yeah. He pretty much – yeah, you nailed like the meat the meat of the show right there. So. Yeah. <laughs> we, you know, maybe, uh, maybe ATF didn't do the other stuff. I'd have to go look it up. I can't remember because the web search is just bringing up the R2 toy toter. Hmm. I'm sure the archive database would answer the question. (laughs) Sore subject. Uh, Yeah, and I I just looked up pictures of uh, Candy Clark on the internet. Um, Yeah, Kenny Baker, not short, by the way. Just in case you thought he was short, he's actually not. (laughs) Awesome, cool. Well, uh, CJ, we'll have to leave it off on that tease of you uh, telling us about uh, hanging out with Anthony Daniels and Gus. Um. But thanks for uh, for coming on and sharing just about everything in the show. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It was fun once again. So, all right, cool. Look forward to hearing the whole thing. All right. So where were we right before we were going to talk to CJ? It's kind of hard. I sort of want to like stop the episode now and just sort of say, and ready for part two. But I'm going to stop that nonsense. <laughs> we're going to record a more than full episode. Um, so I think where we left it off was we were talking about oldie time collectors and stuff. And I realized that goes pretty well with the Steve Denny article that we haven't talked about for five months, Steve. Right, right. <laughs> it's funny. I actually I found this old like yellow pad yellow pad note that I'd written after I read that article, like to try and prepare for the show whenever we talked about it, and I'm like having trouble making sense of it now. <laughs> well, what I was thinking was it's very it's a very long article. It's yeah. a very personal article, so you really yeah. should go to kennercollector.com. 
and and read it. But what I thought would be fun to do would be just kind of take a couple excerpts from it and talk about them. Sure. Um, sort of the less personal aspect of it. Um, so what I thought would be neat would be to just sort of uh, try to construct the picture as it's shown to us. Okay. Um, so the main thing is it seems as though he was just kind of advertising that kind of like the TKRP. He's in TKRP, right? Isn't he, Ron? Steve? Or no, um, that, no, that would be not, too late. Not in the ones I saw. I think that was before he got into it. Right. He was but, more in the, you know, 85 on, I want to say. And really, I think he got really ever got into advertising the stuff he had in the 90s. Right. Well, in, in the article, it has his little newsletter he put out, the Steve's mm-hmm. Odyssey uh, sales. And, uh, and so he just kind of describes this initial find from a Kenner employee who basically, he describes that he was working at a post office. And then if something came to Kenner and it was marked fragile or something, he would just write down the name of the person, and then he'd contact that person and ask them if they had Star Wars stuff, which is pretty darn ingenious. I think people at the post office, uh, they, they have a pretty good lead there. I don't know, Steve. We could talk to one of your friends about that sometime. All day, all night, you feel my hee Feel, 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 feel my hee Yeah, yeah. Um... But uh, I've actually been thinking a lot about Brock because that, uh, I guess that new Prince album is really good. I've just heard it in passing. But uh, <laughs> Anyway, so what I thought we could do is we could just kind of look at these two pieces of paper. So the first piece of paper uh, is the proof card count. Now, I, I oh, sent right. you guys this. I mean, you've, you've seen it before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's from May 1988. Mm-hmm. And it's just a count of all of the proof cards that Steve Denny found. Uh, or that he that he purchased. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just trying to picture. I mean, how many? I, I I didn't have an idea of the number. So he totals 2,110. Of that, 600 are revenge. 600 are empire. 330 are power of the force. Mm-hmm. 480 are return of the Jedi, and 100 are Star Wars. Yeah. So I, I think that's pretty fascinating to think that Empire proofs are as plentiful as revenge proofs. I never would have thought that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool just to get an idea of what he saw in 88. I mean, there's a bunch of whole other stuff too, like artwork and sketches and just stuff mm-hmm. I can't even really process. But then there's this additional sheet where he it's his sale list of what he's selling, and it says, two preferred collectors only. Um, and what I love is his description of these proof cards. This is what he says. Blister cards from the three Star Wars movies. These are plain photo blister cards, no bubble or toy attached. Almost perfect in condition. No folds, marks, or tears. Mint. Very different, comma. Great for framing. Mm-hmm. So that's the main way. And then he doesn't refer to them as offers. He refers to them as ads. Ads, Yeah. <laughs> So he says, uh, um, for Revenge of the Jedi, Nyan Nub ad printed over lower right on photo on all cards. And Empire Strikes Back, 
Most cards are full photos. Some have ads printed, and there's no differentiation. Yeah, right. <laughs> as to what the backs are or what they are. What oh are. yeah, no. I mean, when, I don't think even when I was buying it from him, I don't know if he ever really different talked about the backs. It was mostly Empire this or Return of the Jedi that, and you got it and figured out what the back was at that point. Right, and I'm trying to figure out what the actual sales, how it works. So. He sort of has thirty fifty six different and then fifty six dollars. I don't understand what that means, like Return of the Jedi. So does that mean he sold all of them for fifty six dollars? Hmm. It looks like he needs fifty six different cards for fifty six dollars. So it'd be a dollar a proof card. I think so. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think that's pretty much what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess because he's calling them blister cards and really not, not. Uh... Yeah, oh, because Bob Delalio then... got forty-six Power of the Force proof cards for sixty-nine dollars. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> pretty good deal. <laughs> uh, but then Yak Face not in these sets, and then also Star Wars cards were not available. So I guess he must have sold all the Star Wars cards, or because he recognized that there's only a hundred of them. Yeah, the other ones are more valuable. He just held on to those. I seem to remember him holding those for longer, the Star Wars ones. You know, but remember he still had quantity on this stuff in the 2000s. So right. I mean, I mean, this was years and years he had these things. So it sounds crazy he'd be selling them for a dollar a card, but at the time. I mean, he was—he had so many of them, you know. And really, what's an unused card worth? It's, and now everyone regards those things as, you know, worth a mint. But back then, it was just like a novelty almost, you know. Like, so I'm sure he got them for way cheaper. So that was probably, hey, I can sell a buck a piece. Uh, he's probably cleared whatever his investment was pretty quick just doing that. Right. Yeah. So just the idea that there were. 2,110 out there and I, I wonder I mean I guess that now that we have a concept of what was actually found what percentage of you know what percentage of all existing proofs came from that versus the ones that came from Nyheisel I mean it, it almost feels as though we could start to have an idea of how many proof cards are out there in general Yeah, so, so I think that should be kind of our our introduction the article, and then we should go further into it later. But really, just these two images, um, I think that's the the kind of in most data driven way to start. What do you think, Steve? Is that a good? Should we I think talk that about works. It? Yeah, no, I think just doing it in chunks like this could be could be good. Yeah, right. And, and again, go to kendercollector.com to find the rest of the article and to to jump ahead. Um, yeah, yeah, fifty bucks a set of forty-eight revenge cards. Right, right. Yeah, that was one of the notes I written down. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. What I just wonder how, why would it sometimes be? Look, why would he sell sometimes fifty-six different Return of the Jedi cards, and why would he sometimes sell forty-nine different? Mm. I, I don't get that. And Steve was a mysterious man. I'm yeah. sure there's probably some reason that we're just not thinking of. Yeah, um, he must have parted them out and figured out that was the best way to to bunch them or something. You know, I, I don't know, but I'm sure there was a logic to it somewhere along the line. Yeah, uh, 
Cool. All right. So we got that out of the way, Steve. We actually talked about the Steve Denny. <laughs> I was making sure it's recording now. Make sure I don't blow up my computer that way. Um, and then, you know, also uh, our Tweeter Duder. Um, isn't it funny, Steve, that we still call him the Tweeter Duder? <laughs> uh, All I remember Trevor. is spe- specifically <laughs> saying, don't call me the Tweeter Duder. <laughs> Um, but uh, he sort of he gave us a, a roundup of all the of all the posts. But was that for before? Well, looking at these, these are probably from some of them are from a little while ago. But um, yeah, yeah, we already talked about uh, engineering pilots. Uh, we talked about that. We're still talking about Lippincott. We haven't quite figured that out yet. Um, I guess one thing we talk about is the great ad with B-Wing pilot for right. X-Wing. Yeah. Uh, why don't you That's, talk about uh, that, Steve? Well, yeah, it's, I think it was a German ad, right? It's been a while since I've looked at it, but it was uh, part of a German uh, print ad that had uh, kind of modified painted B-Wing pilots flying X-Wings. Which it's like that's what I was doing because I didn't have an X-wing pilot, so it just it was funny to see like that figure being used in in other ways. It, it never seems to be really <laughs> used the way it was supposed to, which which kind of speaks to it for me. But I I, I got to track one of those down. I think it was in a comic issue uh, that was out in Germany, so I got to track that thing down at some point for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's it's German and yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a pretty cool thing about it. Well, it says, Return of the Jedi, Aventurer number six. So I assume that this is number six in the series. So perhaps the German advertisements are kind of like the Meccano ones from Empire. Oh, speaking of which, Stefan's also been writing some great, yes, uh, yeah. great uh, updates on the, on the archive. Yeah. We actually really have to get him on, Steve. You know I why know. we've never had Stefan on, right? <laughs> Well, do, you know, I don't know. do you know why? <laughs> it's because I've been planning to go to France for as long as we've done this show. Yeah, but and you my stupid to divorce him. and all that crazy stuff has prevented me from going to France. So I've wanted to interview him in person, but we just so it just seems like we're not talking to him, which is opposite. It's just I'm not getting to France, which is annoying yeah. the heck out of me. Yeah. Um, so I I do wonder if there's uh, if there's more of these out there. It's strange that it's not. Uh, uh, that it's not on the archive, isn't that right? It's not. Uh, I don't think this particular one is. I know, like he's got a lot of the, the French ones up there, but right. I don't know. I don't know where if there's like a, a collective of these German ads somewhere on the internet. That that I don't know. Well, there's a link to the vintage toy advertiser dot org, which I guess is where this comes from, uh, and you can find that in the Rebel Scum forum on it. And they have another one of them with the Biker Scout. But what's great is these um, uh, onomatopoeia that, that lead them off. And so, uh, as you guys know, I speak uh, perfect uh, Deutsch. Uh, so, <laughs> Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, I bent it up. Numero six. Where's to meet Dynam? X-Wing fighter, these rebel flotter unterstützen können. <laughs> so roughly translated, that just says, with your X-wing fighter, the rebel troop is gonna do good stuff. What's up? <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that's almost an unloved item. 
Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's awesome. I I love it. <laughs> yeah. So in the event that you know more about this, uh, please send it to kivecast at gmail dot com. Uh, had you seen these, uh, Steve? I mean, uh, Ron. What's that? <laughs> had you seen these, Ron? Uh, I saw it on Rebel Scum. I think it's the B wing pilot's greatest moment. I think he's getting a little bit too big for his britches there. I know. He can fly that X-Wing. <laughs> like five minutes later, he crashed. <laughs> it's too far down the alphabet, guys. I've got no approach vector. I'm not set. Ah! The cockpit doesn't rotate on this one. <laughs> uh, oh, so lame. Okay. <laughs> I think that's the R2-D2 toy toter behind him there, packed inside the X-Wing. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not even the real R2-D2. No, no. They couldn't <laughs> give him one. He's just going to, B-Wing pilot's going to reach back and pull out his toys from the top of that thing any second now. Or, yeah, or his beer, or, you know. <laughs> and they're like, Neil, we're not here to play with toys, we're trying to defeat the Empire. <laughs> I like that you've kind of. I like Neil as the B Wing pilot's name. Neil is totally his name. That's yeah. yeah. Name. So I was going to go with Brahe or Steve. Well, I, I haven't actually done a, a live read in a while. Uh, so, you know, guys, have you ever noticed that it's hard to get a loan? Well, there are companies out there that'll give you a loan and will just totally steal your money. So don't listen to podcasts and, like, you know, get loans and stuff from people. <laughs> and also, another thing if you need a lawyer, get a lawyer. Go to some stupid website that just takes your money to give you a form. You might as well go to a lawyer. <laughs> I suggest Tommy es- uh, Garvey Esquire. Uh, so that's my uh, that's my live read of the month. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, Forget drunk Kenny Baker. We're talking about drunk Sky Payne at this point. Hey man, I'm not drunk. I'm drinking water. <laughs> uh, just, I'm just. Uh, well, it's funny because uh, one of the upsides, the downside of of being divorced, is I I only record the show when no one else is in the house. So I'm in the living room. I'm. Just, You're not naked, are you? I'm in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm wearing one sock. Uh, I, that's uh, that's what I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to have to get Candy Clark to defend you. No, no. Although that is tied into some of the pictures of Candy Clark on the internet I did find in my quick search. Um, which is, by the way, it's worth a quick search. Um, She's a handsome woman. She is. She's very... Uh, and Kenny making out inside the R2-D2 toy toter. Did, did you make a move wrong? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> she was too mad at me for arguing about the, the stature of Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, lady, he's huge. Absolutely. <laughs> Huge. Peter Mayhew is not tall. He is. <laughs> I like, I, I forget I brought it up. He's giant. He is differently altituded. Uh, that's like, the way I would say. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. It was awesome. All right. Talk to you soon, Ron. All right. See you guys later. Bye. Well, first there were four, then there were three, now there are two. And uh, we are going to get to the market watch. I just played the, the loop for it. Um, but I just happened to go down the rabbit hole of uh, the vintage toy advertiser.org backslash category backslash star dash wars backslash. And I found this Pal Toy advert I think maybe I'd heard of. Uh, it's done by Brian Boland, who I think is a famous comic book artist who did 
Judge Dredd, I think. You know what? I, I could have looked that up, Steve, and found out the answer to that question, but I'm not going to. Um, so I think Steve and I should reenact this, and I will be doing uh, a, a the narrator and the voice of C-3PO. And, All right. Uh, Steve, you can be the uh, R2-D2. That's fair enough. Yes. <laughs> Win a day at the filming of the new Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Galactic greetings, Earth readers. Otto and I are here to tell you about exciting prizes to be won at the Great Palatoy Draw Droid Competition. First prize is a day at Elstree Studios to see the making the Star Wars Empire Strikes Back and to meet some of the stars. Beep. It'll be a day to remember for six lucky winners. Oh my! All this excitement is making my circuit overload! Beep. Don't you call me a Namby Pamby R2? Beep. All you do is design and draw a droid and give it a name. I understand Earth people refer to we droids as robots. <laughs> For runners up, 12 second prizes of Palatoy laser rifle and laser blaster pistol and. 24 third place prizes of Power Toy Diecast Vehicles, X Wing TIE Fighter, and Land Speeder. Complete the coupon and send it in with your drawings to the receipt for any Power Toy Star Wars product you have brought the address below. Lots of Star Wars models to choose from, including some new faces like Emma Ed and Brain Grado. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nicely done there. Yes. <laughs> I kept it consistent. Yeah, I tried to as well, you know. Yeah. But it was clear that you were from, like, you were from Stoke-on-Trent and I was from Manchester. Like, they're really close, but, like, we were able to get the the sort of the, the dynamic between the difference. The range. Yeah. The range. The range is how specific we were. Um, but first of all, R2-D2 calling C-3PO Namby-Pamby. Yeah, that's... That's, uh, that's the closest that's... you've ever heard to an actual... Homophobic slur in Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's balanced out by C-3PO holding up a, a laser like blaster a, toy. Yeah, it's, I mean that's like not just a like a simple blaster. That thing is like an assault rifle. <laughs> yeah, and then a whole bunch of Star Wars toys in his other hands. Oh, that that image is great. That's perfect. And then this is the kind of thing I would like to do with the archive, um, with all the time that I don't have and probably won't do stuff. Um, is uh, is how many times is Greedo referred to as Green Greedo? Right, like, right, yeah. Where is he referred to that? So, uh, just we'll probably come back to this site in the future. Now I, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> now that I've I've uh, looked into it, because this is really uh, a pretty pretty good website. Uh, cool. So let's talk about the Market Watch, Steve. Okay. One dollar flicks. Market Watch. Brisbane, Brisbane Mike, as always, comes through with a ton. Uh, it's crazy. There were actually a lot of uh, armored dog driver sales this month, or last, you know, recently anyway. Um, the first one, he leads off with, usually kind of goes chronologically, but he wanted to, to get this right off the bat. It was uh, one of those Australian release Power of the Force uh, carded figures. It was AFA 80. It sold for uh, 2200. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, as far as 
Rare Power of the Force, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, that's that. I mean that's more rare than Yak Face, right? Well, I mean it's hard as far as just the regular thing, yeah, I think so. Um I mean because you had those three Australian only and then the Yak Face they did put on the card, but it was what was it that had the other language on there, so no, but this it has the Warwick coin on it, which is interesting. Um but uh, yeah, twenty two hundred bucks for for the rarest of of those guys. That actually sounds like a fair deal. Yeah, it's it's funny it, when you think of some of the crazy prices we've seen on stuff lately. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't like freaked out when I saw it. It was it's cool to see one sell. Um, but yeah, um, let's see. Do you want to go back back down to earth a little bit? Uh, I would. I, I'm having trouble finding it. Oh, you know what? <laughs> Uh, let's see. Did he not send it to me? He did. This is this is the way he's been doing it. You have to log into the blog to see it. <laughs> oh. Now this happens to bring up a sore subject no, here. This guy. <laughs> I, I have not actually uh, logged in yet <laughs> to the Star Wars Collector's Archive blog. Listen, you know... Uh, it, I think the thing might have been my original idea... I was one of the motors, you know, to push it. But I don't have to, like, you know, do anything. So uh, I got used to the old blog, Steve. It was so easy to use for me. I, I know. I know. We, we, we got to get you in there. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, I mean, there's a couple ways we could do this. We could just... I could just go through it for you, or we could try. Yeah, and do sure, it sure. Let's see. Oh, okay. yeah, then you'll send me the pictures. Let's forget even trying to get me on there. So okay. I'll just imagine what a a a, a twenty two hundred dollar thing would cost. Okay. 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 Um, all right. I won't go through all these, but we'll go through a, a little sampling. But uh, so the forty one a uh, survival could offer. There was one that sold for two hundred thirty three, which is a pretty nice, pretty nice figure. Um, let's see, we got a, another 41 back. This one, the only main, you know, big difference is it has just a big Toys R Us sticker on there. Um, but that one sold for just over a hundred. Um, let's see, going down, there's, uh, a 41 back offer list. It's the, I think the 40 back E that, that one sold for 400 that was an AFA 80. That's that's a pretty nice. I, I love this card back. Like, I don't know. If, we didn't really talk about the card back that much, right? No, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. It's like, is it a? It must be like a studio shot, or is yeah, it airbrushed me, in the back? I, it, I don't to know. me, it's hard to, to to tell without really getting a close up look at it. I guess, but it's it's very minimalistic. I'd say it's yeah, yeah it's but it's it's just like the essence of what that dude is. I think it's it's cool to see like one of the Imperials get such a good close up shot. Um, Oftentimes it's like it's either far away back or just the vehicle they're associated with or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a cool, it's a really it's a good Empire card. It's can't really can't really argue, right? <laughs> well, let's see. Can I argue? You you want to argue? <laughs> well, I know I remember seeing the 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 original photo art, and it's just kind of funny seeing it's kind of like airbrushed. It seems like it's more airbrushed than you'd think. Yeah, and I guess you can't really complain. It's kind of boring. Yeah. But it's it's like the opposite of the the Luke Hoth, where, right? I mean, the, of the Han Hoth. Like yeah. the Han Hoth should be so cool, but it's so like fuzzy and kind of hard to see. 
Yeah. Um, wow, we're really... <laughs> <laughs> hey, CJ, thanks for coming on and providing all the content for the show. Let's criticize your, your focus. <laughs> um, but, I mean, just in terms of, like, the, the blurriness and the lack of clarity, this is almost too clear. Like, this yeah. is what he looks like. There's no background like a, to confuse like screen, you. a screen test or, like, costume test image or something. Right. Yeah. And, and what's the deal with all the hoses? <laughs> right. He's got to stay warm, right? <laughs> no, I thought that was for space, right? Because wasn't the whole thing that Macquarie invented the 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 whole idea of Vader having a breathing apparatus was yeah. Macquarie's idea because he thought they'd need they would need to be safe from space, right? Right. Because stormtroopers don't have tubes, no. snowtroopers don't have tubes, biker yeah. scouts don't have tubes, Tie pilots. Do you have, have tubes? <laughs> so does that mean that we're supposed to imagine that this guy is, goes into some kind of a tube? <laughs> oh, no. Stop recording again, Steve. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> Do you know how, how far back? Oh, wait. No, it's, it's recording again. Oh, <laughs> so, which brings me to my favorite Simpsons line of all time. What is this, some kind of a tube? Oh, <laughs> What the hell is this? Some kind of tube? Hey. Yeah, so maybe he was designed for interspatial stuff, or why does he have the tube? I feel like the tubes aren't as like pronounced as a Tie pilot, but I'm just going on like memory here. I'm not not looking at them side by side, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um. Let's see. You want to look at some with, with some ads? Some card figures with some ads? Yes, on the front? let's see okay. some ads. Um, all right, so the 45 back, that's the display offer, uh, display arena offer. Uh, there was one that was an FA 80 that sold for 175 um, Up next, there was a, a 47 back uh, for Lom. That one sold for 135 So they're all, like, those Empire cards are all kind of within a, a similar range. Um, and then we we got the Wait, sun and, and that range is around a hundred to two hundred. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, and so then we get to some that might pique your interest a little bit. Uh, a couple of, a couple of forty eight Bs. Ooh. Yeah, there was one that sold. Uh, it was a best offer accepted, so somewhere probably around three hundred bucks. The original listing price was three fifty. So that that was a nice one. Um, there was another one that sold a little more affordable. That was let's see, it was. Sixty-seven bucks, and it's not you know not the greatest <laughs> hmm. uh, looking forty-eight B, but uh, yeah, there you go. It's it's got the the sticker right over that that poor uh, driver's face. <laughs> it's like it's completely covering him. Um, whereas the nicer one, actually, whoever applied the sticker, they kind of put it up in the upper right corner by the Empire logo, so you can totally see the character. That thing huh. is pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah, see, uh, I don't think I would pay three hundred dollars. Yeah, see, I thought the second one might be more more to your liking. Yeah. It at sixty seven bucks. That's where I perhaps should have been scouring eBay a little bit closer, or yeah. or where people should you know should be saying, "Hey, I should contact the king of the forty seven Bs and see what he thinks." Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm yeah. sitting on my empire of one figure. Yes, it's has a capacitance. <laughs> It's, it's growing, right? Is it? How is it? <laughs> it's going well. I've got a couple things in the you know, on the way. I'll once I get them, I'll uh, maybe do a little 
group limelight or something. I haven't done anything like that in a long time, thinking about it. But, uh, yeah, it's going well. I'm trying to get, like, any weird stuff from other countries is my main, like, target right now. Right. So I think I've got, like, a weird VHS tape of the Ewok adventure from Greece. So it's stuff like that that's really obscure and, like, different artwork on the box is kind of what I'm looking for. But, yeah, it's it's going. It cool. is it is still a thing. Well, let, uh, let's get back to uh, to the market yeah. watch then. Okay, so to round out uh, the Armored Dog driver, we have a 45 back proof card uh, sold for, well, the best offer listing was uh, 700 pounds, so I don't know what that exactly translates for us, but I think it's somewhere around 1,000-ish probably got sold for. Um, it's an AFA 85 proof card. Um, wow, so a 45 back, so that's pretty much the most common. <clears throat> Is that, wait, yeah. That's a, that's a probably the, the most common ATAT driver proof besides Revenge, probably just as rare. If we're to take the numbers from Steve from, Denny, uh, right, right, that there's 600 of each that were found in that in those finds, you just kind of imagine that that's yeah the most common <clears throat> proofs. Yep. So it's like yeah, around probably around a thousand. Um, hey, here's something for Empire. I mean, for proof card market washers, is the relative scarcity of Jedi proofs compared to Empire proofs reflected in price? I, that's yeah. that's a question that's, to look up. That's what you're getting at. Um, let's see. We got a couple more. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is obviously like an army builder figure for for people that, that do that. Uh, there's one that's, it was like a 31. Lot a lot of thirty one of these guys that sold for about two hundred bucks. That's cool. So, a little army of of uh, drivers for two hundred. So hey, I mean, <laughs> um, and lastly, there was a cool bootleg item. I, there was some other bootlegs I meant to talk about earlier. We just didn't get to it, but uh, we'll get to something here. It's a Mexican three pack. Uh, have you seen those where it has like the the Macquarie image of uh, Jabba's palace, kind of stapled? At the top of a bag with some, some really crazy Mexican bootlegs. Have you seen any of those guys? Um, it sounds familiar. Okay. But I don't know if I have it. I'm sort of tippy tapping into my computer, huh? seeing if I can find it okay. with Mexican three pack Star Wars Jabba. I'll type in a um, bootleg. <laughs> um, while you're doing that, there was one that had uh, a driver in it that sold for thirty six bucks. So. Um, I think there's a couple of those with, with B-Wing pilots out there. I haven't, haven't found one yet. I haven't really, haven't really looked <laughs> too hard, but I know, I know they're out there. So, um, yeah, they're, they're cool. I like the, the idea of using, uh, Macquarie art as like the little bag header, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that about does it for the driver. Uh, what's up with Fantastic Pete? All right. So he, he's got a couple of, uh, Interesting items here. The first batch are, are I think it's a trio of Uzai uh, carded figures that, that recently sold. Um, and these, these always get people's attention. Um, the first one was the, the infamous Blue Stars. Uh, it was an AFA uh, 40. And is, is that the... Because that was the... At one point, the only graded bootleg was an Uzai Blue Stars... Uh, 
AFA forty. I wonder if it's the same. Oh, one. maybe. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, this one. I mean, the bubble is is pretty thrashed. Um, but being what it is, you know, it's it's a high profile character and item. So it sold for uh, fifty one hundred dollars with thirty bids. Um, and the same seller actually had two others. Um, hey, it's from Vero Beach, Florida, Dodger Town. Uh, interesting. Um, oh yeah, you going to the game tomorrow? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> hey, now. That was rough. I'm sorry. Come on. <laughs> I talked about baseball. I know. After the Dodgers squeaked in with the wild card, they weren't going to get too far. Ah, jeez, I just keep doing it. Yeah. Ah. I don't want the Giants to win either, Steve, so don't worry. Uh, that's good to know. I mean, um, I'm obviously rooting for Aoki. <laughs> <sighs> um, and then, okay, so the same seller had two others. The second was my favorite, which is the Imperial Gunner with his calculator. Um, that one, it's in a bit nicer shape. Uh, AFA 75 um, with an unpunched card. Sold for $4,500. Um, and, bu- and the bubble was intact? I uh, believe it might have... It's more intact than the, the bars, that's for sure. I think... Let's see here. Um, I'm not finding it. Hey, just- actually, I have a public service announcement, Steve. Okay. If you buy an Uzi figure AFA, you are an idiot. <laughs> AFA is not bad. I'm not si- well, I'm not saying AFA is bad. I'm saying you're an idiot. You might as well buy a car and fill it. You might as well buy a regular car and fill it with diesel gas and then hit the accelerator. <laughs> there's, there's nothing good in your future if you buy an AFA figure. Unless, unless, okay, hear me out. Okay. You, you go to Norcross, Georgia, and you pick the figure up and you immediately take it out of its AFA case and protect the bubble by some method. You could use the double bubble method that I showcase right, on choosing.com right. yeah. or just wrap it up in just packing peanuts. <laughs> it, it is not a question. It is more – it is less probable. There's nothing more probable than that bubble breaking. There's no point. Do not AFA. Oh, my god, Steve. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I mean I, I'm looking at this now. It has – you know, they put those extra – they put the extra little case around the bubble that, that – Oh. You know, it's one of those deals. Um, well, in that case, maybe it's okay. <laughs> I retract my previous vitriol. Um, Does it right, work? So, Does their little thingy work? Well, I mean, I think it's got to be better than <laughs> than not, right? I mean, right. still, still, um, yeah. So the third was a Darth Vader, and this one sold for four thousand. This one was also in what looks to be considerably better shape than the. And the blue stars, but um, yeah, this one has that extra acrylic on the interior as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was three, three of those at pretty much the same time selling. Um, which I mean, I yeah, they're 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 awesome figures. We we all know that, right? Um, and but the prices seem high. Yeah, but they don't seem really out of line with what I would anticipate a news eye going for right now. Yeah, you know, Steve, it could just be that my my sensors have been a little bit mixed up. Yeah, you know that maybe I just expect things to be higher now. I'm a little bit less manny. You know? <laughs> See, yeah, I don't know if I've said it yet, but I think you've used the O oh, man like throughout the show several times. What's this? This is the 
the power shifting here? What's going on? It could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, all right. Would we you have, like to make a... some arcane point about language that no one cares no, about? See, I think I think okay. uh, that's where that whole thing falls apart. Um, so we got a couple more. There's uh, a, can- a Kenner Cantina adventure set that was an AFA eighty um, best offer accepted below somewhere below sixty five hundred dollars. Uh, this thing is this it's an awesome toy. That that that's for sure, but. Whether it needs the acrylic case, that, no, that's that's up for you to decide. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is and on that point, there's this is this is just one of those crazy. I don't know. I can't believe this, but there was I think the first ever that definitely I've seen. Pete mentions this. Uh, it's a graded Imperial shuttle, AFA ninety. <laughs> wow. So imagine that giant toy with like. It's like a museum case around it. I just can't imagine shipping this thing, or it, it, like just knowing how acrylic goes, it just gets scratched and messed up. Like, how could you keep this thing, like the case itself, in nice shape? I don't know. But uh, this thing sold for just over three thousand. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, a, a giant. It's hard to get a giant sculpture for under three thousand. I guess. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to worry about what you're going to put in that corner of your house. Yeah, you know, that's true. That's pretty well set for the foreseeable yeah. future. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's pristine itself, I guess. Um, yeah, pretty pretty nuts. <laughs> three three grand for a oh, case. You're just shuttle. getting around saying "oh man" by saying "pretty nuts." Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, that that deserves a couple oh mans. Yeah, All right. that does. <laughs> um, and the last last bit, it's a set of the first twenty one figures uh, graded either AFA eighty or eighty five. Do you want to guess? Do you, yeah, you haven't seen it yet, right? No, no. You want, see, I think this would be a fun one for you to guess what the the winning. Bit I'm was. flying completely blind here. That's fine. Yeah, okay. That's okay. So it's a so set of the first twenty one. Uh, what yes. what card backs? Uh, let's see. Uh, I have to go through the list of the individual things here. Uh, oh wait, one of them is a um, one of them is a Palatoy Greedo. That that helps. Okay, so what? the first eleven are twelve backs. Uh, the rest are twenty or twenty-one backs. All uh, Star Gre- Wars front. All Star Wars. All Star Wars front. Uh, the Greedo is a Palatoy. Wow. Twenty. Uh, twenty back. That's the uh, absolute Greedo truth. Um, so it's yeah. a twenty back palatoy. All right, so I'm actually I'm gonna I'm getting out my calculator on okay. my All HTC right. one here. All right. Okay, so you're saying eleven of them are twelve backs. Right. Okay. Any of them graded? Uh, they are all graded. Um, no. Mostly AFA eighty. There's a couple eighty fives. The R five D four is an AFA seventy five. Okay. Carry the two. <laughs> Subtract, multiply by pi. I am going to guess. Drum roll. Twenty-five thousand dollars. You're not crazily off. It was seventeen thousand one hundred. That's cheap. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's you know what does that average out per figure? Like, it's not not like crazy though. It's not. Although you know, I say that. But then, in the event that you're buying a, uh, you know, a 
21 back. They're not, you know, like a, a FET offer, uh, I don't know, power droid for 900 bucks. It's yeah. not exactly getting a steal. Right, right. But still, it's it's a set of, of those 21. It's a nice set, that's for sure. Um, yeah, it's, there you go. I mean, it's, it's like a, a one-shot deal. You get the first 21. Yeah. yeah. All right, good. Steve, it seems like we're both uh, flaming out here, so why don't we uh, hit the feedback and okay. then uh, call it a night. All right, thanks again, Pete and, uh, and Mike. Yeah, well, you know what, though, Steve? They're on the archive blog. They're getting, they're getting a nice write-up here. They're finally getting like a portion of the credit that they deserve, and I'm really psyched about that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, oh, I went camping this weekend, and there was someone <laughs> from Australia – and I, I told I thought the capital was Brisbane. Um, it turns out it's um, uh, what's it, what's it called? It's Peterbury, Ber, Ber, it's like Mon Monmouth, something like that. Canberra, Canberra. That's the capital of Australia. Did you know that, Steve? No, I did not. Yeah, it's Canberra. <laughs> can, Steve, can I hear you pronounce it with an Australian accent? Uh, I think I don't have it in me right now. Okay. Canberra! <laughs> Here at the Kivecast, we really do care. You can email us at kivecast at gmail.com, Twitter us at Kivecast, or join us up on our Facebook page. We really do care. All right, Steve, we had a lot of good feedback, despite the fact that I posted the episode as <laughs> Podcast 54, incorrect, yes, it was 55, yeah. Yeah. I called him Cliff Clavin Commando, incorrect, he's Cliff <laughs> Clavin Commander, uh, I spelled Cleb right and Capacitance right, so, yeah, I, I think you, people found it. That's, they did. Yeah. I had to say, Steve, I was really proud of something I did on the show and n- not the Club Zellock song. I was okay. really proud of the interview with James. Yeah. Um, I thought that went yeah. really well. I was really happy to talk to someone who knew a lot about what we were talking about. Um, I'm tempted to do the same thing again. I'm, I'm going to put feelers out there to Matthias if there's the, because I know one of the Swedish dudes is a super ATAT guy. Yes, that's uh, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, I had a smorgasbord with Daniel, so um, I guess I could reach out to Daniel. But you know, I'd rather have Steve. How about this? How about <laughs> you contact Matthias, who will contact Daniel. Who will then we'll be in touch with you? Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> um, we haven't actually done a like a hey, you collect this guy thing in a long time. That's true. Yeah. Um, we had some good. Artwork. Ollie did a, a, a pickle ship artwork, <laughs> yeah. which is good. We might have to start throwing Ollie in there whenever we call out Jared, because this is some pretty darn fine work. Yes. Um, pickle ship getting a lot of love lately. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I guess some people have problems downloading the show. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's still know. kind of working itself out. Uh, <laughs> that that I the only part I know is getting that direct link onto the blog, and that seems to be working. But as far as the actual like downloading of the file, that that's kind of beyond. That might be more a, a, a low Bart question, right? Um, Yehuda appreciates my joke. Is that what the V in Vimeo stands for? <laughs> um, 
I don't think this episode this month has been quite as funny as last month's, but it's maybe a bit more... Uh, uh, maybe it is. Who knows? You can never tell. Um, and then there's uh, you that successfully posted it. Um, <laughs> Fuzzy Buzzy said that this is what has been missing uh, from the show. And again, I, uh, I actually really appreciate... Um, he gave what you call constructive criticism. So that was good. Although Ron does point out that the episode that I said was so terrible was episode 54, which actually really – the parts that weren't me were quite good. Right, right. Like that the interviews a, with Todd well, Chamberlain. Of, that Todd yeah. Chamberlain thing was just gold. Yeah. And uh, some of the other stories were great. It's just I was just absolute knobshite. Um, <laughs> so um, people seem to like capacitance. <laughs> uh, Scott Bradley uh, points out that uh, uh, he has some kind of crazy picture of who there are like multiple rebel commanders yeah yeah, multiple mustache rebel commanders um, we had a couple haikus referring to the mustache ride haiku that I did not write we have quite a, a ribald audience so uh, Gary who goes by Greedo didn't shoot posted this mustache writing haiku and uh i didn't comment on it um because i I wanted to just save it for the show all my excitement for this so here it is this is this is pretty good okay ice tunnel collapse i'll get her out on my stash ride snow princess So that's that's a very good haiku. Uh, Richard, CC4HR4HRUHHRCH, Richard, um, who talked about how much he liked the show, although he liked the other ones before. Uh, and this, he's still waiting for his free star top, which, by the way, is up in the museum with your name and address on a piece of paper. It's all wrapped up. It's all ready to go. I just haven't sent it yet. Um, so he said he doesn't like uh, poetry because he calls himself a maths computer scientist Um, that's how they say math in in English (laughs) they have the S on the end Um, uh, but he gives his own haiku for the rebel commander ice frost on mustache AT-ATs are heading my way quick mustache there you go. Well, I don't know if I'm supposed to pronounce it the right way uh, or the other way. Uh, anyways, and he said he liked the song. I had a lot of interesting thoughts about the song. Um, my favorite comment about that was uh, that it was, quote, something else. Yeah, right. And uh, I'm, I'm too smart to know when something is not necessarily a compliment. So I know that's not necessarily a compliment saying that's something else. But I think people generally liked it. Um, but I guess you guys didn't know I was such a musical person. Um, I'm a TS. Referred to something as fantastic information, which made me quite happy. Yeah. Um, uh, some information too about like some guys. I don't know if you read it on the thing, but uh, some folks contacted us on Gmail about uh, laserdisc collecting. Oh no. Um. Yeah. Well, there you go, Steve. You can hey, check our. our I got to check the email. Yeah. Um, Let's see, I had some comments from uh, Mike, Mike in Hothgear, uh, who I met at a meeting. Oh, um, right. And so it was pretty cool. He's a big Rebel Commander fan. And then right after that, uh, uh, we were contacted by Adam, who was in the Hockey League. 
Yeah, that's right. He said he's sad not to have it. And that actually <laughs> brings us... I'm trying to tie these together, Steve. Yes, said, just okay. Reading them. It actually ties to another uh, thing, uh, email we got that asked us about how to set up um, uh, uh, vintage collector clubs. Oh, So okay. I got one from uh, someone in Omaha, Bill Harvat. And he just said he's trying to figure out any tips on getting collector club going. <clears throat> Um, he also shares some pictures of his uh, Darth Vader uh, focus, and oh, cool. he's got some cool vintage stuff there. Um, my advice, as someone who started a club, is just to do it, and it just doesn't matter who shows up. Like, yeah. do it, yeah. advertise the hell out of it, tell people have it at your house. Like, do all the work first. Like, you can't be like, I want to do this, but like, could it be somewhere else? Like, set it up at wherever you are in Omaha, um, based on the films of Alexander Payne. Omaha's a great place. <laughs> um, and just, you know, hit it up. Uh, you know, you have a Facebook page, and so that's good. Do that. And then also just put that all over Facebook. And you might get someone who will show up. And maybe they're not in Omaha, but maybe they're nearby, and they'll show up. Um, and then they say uh, he wants pro tips on how to organize events and what to do. Uh, the pro tip for me is just get people in a room, uh, try to have some people bring something to sell, and have food. <laughs> and even having food is not necessarily necessary because you can go and enjoy some Omaha beef or whatever it is. Exactly. You yeah. Enjoy Omaha. <laughs> um, just you know, have a collection to look at. The collection can be anything and then have some stuff to trade and then everything else is all bonus you know have a copy of the movie on in the background or have bring some comic bring some uh collector books and have them spread around and then just you know talk about what's going on so that's how i'd suggest it what do you think pretty much that's pretty much the gist of it i mean there isn't really much more to it as far as as far as what we've done right it's it's been pretty pretty informal but uh just like i mean even don't be discouraged if you don't meet for like a year because that's happened with, with us. I and mean, just whenever we do, everyone's still interest, interested in, into it. It's just sometimes it's just tough to get everyone in one place. So don't, don't be worried about that part of it, I would say. Just stay in communication. <laughs> yeah, and also I guess it depends on how you – if you're a vintage-only club, don't expect to have a lot of people because, you know, the, the New York folks that we're trying to get stuff together – uh, the non-New York City folks, you know, we've met forever for three or four times. And by we, I mean they. I've only made it to two meetings, two or three. Yeah, not too bad. Um, but, you know, that's not usually more than five or six people. And, right. And, yeah. you know, that's just kind of how it is, you know. But the good thing is I know those people and I enjoy those people. And any excuse to, on a weekend to just go hang out and talk Star Wars toys is a good excuse. Um Hey, that was actually kind of helpful, Steve. <laughs> I, I hope. Well, we'll yeah, see. I, I hope so. Um, and oh yeah, so Pete Jones uh, gives a, sent a, a database to Laserdiscs. So oh okay. Oh, you know what? I think I might have seen this before. Yeah, and I, I've used it. Yeah, it's, it's a really good resource for people. Well, collect- he also says he has some doubles, Steve. So contact me and be in touch. Yeah, Ooh, Laserdisc. Do you know that reference, Steve? Laserdisc? Um, it's not <laughs> coming to mind, but so what is it? Adam Sandler's second 
uh, stand-up CD. Oh, uh, okay. It's hilarious. And he's got a character called the Excited Southerner. And <laughs> he meets Mel Gibson, and he's so excited that he can't, like, get things. He's like, oh, 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 so Braveheart mm, has some laser disc music. And, like, he just he can't express himself. And now the Excited Southerner gets to meet his favorite film actor, Mel Gibson. Mr. Gibson, I'm sorry to bother you, sir, but this gentleman is a big fan, and he just wanted to say hello. Well, I can't believe it. I mean, laser disc. I I need so, to revisit those. I haven't listened to those in such a long time. Uh, yeah, yeah, that that one, uh, I think it's What the Hell's Wrong With Me. Mm-hmm. It's got lunchtime kids and uh, <laughs> a whole bunch. Of, it's so good. Um, yeah. And then he got terrible. Uh, oh, oh, Adam Sandler. Yeah. Oh. Dennis Smith uh, talks about Montgomery Wards, which he says, a.k.a. Monkey Wards, was a department <laughs> store. So I guess that makes sense. He says he saw the micro collection. He remembers seeing the speeder bike, Ewok Village, and the Ewok battle wagon. Um, so I guess we asked what Montgomery Wards was, and I guess we got the answer. <laughs> so. um, let's see. Was there any other? Uh, Jared's, uh, I love his... Uh, Cleb mashup with uh, <laughs> Doctor Strangelove. Oh <laughs> like yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah. That oh, yeah, so and good. his Steve as Bad News Bears is pretty. Yeah, good too. that's pretty accurate, actually. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, good stuff. Yep. And so that was pretty good, Steve. And the the finished, the baseball league is over. Yeah, playoffs are happening. It looks like the Giants are going to win, Steve. I'm not too pleased. I, I well, you know, it's really not pleases me because that makes them the team of the century, not the Red Sox. So, <sighs> man, did I tell you? Like, I I got into a conference in Atlanta, like just in time, or not Atlanta? I'm sorry, in in Georgia, Savannah, Georgia, just in time to be told by the hotel clerk that the Dodgers had lost. <laughs> it was like uh. it was first, it was the first thing you randomly said to me. <laughs> I think he must have seen I had a California driver's license, but yeah, that, that was not fun. But come on, Royals, come on for Duncan, for Duncan and Ann. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, but not expecting. Well, by the time I finish editing this, that'll probably be decided. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve. Well, it is 11.57 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and uh, it's been a really fun episode. I think yeah. we've uh, we've done a lot, thanks to Ron. Uh, who's up next, Steve? Uh, we got another Imperial character, uh, the Imperial Commander. Ooh. Another Commander, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be... Uh, <laughs> we'll see what we can, we can pull for him, but uh, uh, who's next? We haven't talked to Derek in a long time. That, that might be a good option. Yeah. 
All right. Well, cool. Well, with that, then, I will say Wampa Wampa. Adios.